Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Kevin Keen. And I'm Mike Olson. And today we'll be discussing Predator, released by 20th Century Fox on June 12, 1987, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, El Padilla Carrillo, Bill Duke, Jesse Ventura, Sonny Landon, Richard Chaves, R.G. Armstrong, Shane Black, and Kevin Peter Hall as The Predator. Written by Jim Thomas and John Thomas. Directed by John McTiernan. And we've commented in the past a few times, like, boy, this, there aren't a lot of actors in this. We basically said the whole cast. I can say officially, this is the entire cast of the movie. That's everybody, every wow, actor I in this movie. Did, I did not know that. Unless you count Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, I, <laughs> who is not credited. I, there, there's also, I believe, an uncredited in this, a Russian officer. Oh, yes, yes. Th- there's also that. <laughs> so it's the you, first time in a while. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, nice, it's, it's nice to see Sven again. It's uh, nice to see Sven again. Um, so that's true. Too uncredited, but Sven is he, his face is, appears in the movie at least. Yes, and I don't, I don't, I think that's it, right? I don't think you even get like a facial expression or movement. You just get his face, right? No, he he has, you know, he he has the first kill in this movie. In fact, oh, that's yeah, that's right. I guess he he's got a relatively prominent yeah. role. I mean, it's, it, he 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 piles up the first body count. You're right. He, he's I mean, he's mostly he's just a the, a Russian guy, like yeah. you don't learn anything about him. Russian tough. Arnold sees him shoot a guy yeah. through the binoculars, and then he gets revenge on him by blowing him through a wall. <laughs> so his buddy Sven. Poor Sven. Yeah, but yeah, Predator. You know, I said it on a previous episode, and I still believe this. This is my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Wow. It, I, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to do it so close to Terminator Two is because those those were one and two, and. And yeah, you wanted I, to see if anything had changed since you had just done Terminator 2. Yeah, I wanted to see, you know, is is this still my favorite? And I just, I love this movie so much. I, I, I This is my, this is to me what Commando is to you, I think. At least my sense of I, the way you talk about Commando. Like, it's a movie from your childhood. And this is that for me. Yeah, and I'm I'm surprised. I, before we started recording, I said how I haven't seen this one that many times. Uh, and I've never seen Predator 2, although I just saw about 15 seconds of it uh, before we were recording. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. If, I'll just say it again because uh, just for some extra credit to, you know, for, the, for the podcast, I decided to watch Predator 2 today before we recorded. And I fell asleep 15 minutes in. And so if I'm groggy in this episode, I apologize. But we, we're going to blame Predator 2 for if I'm, if I'm a little groggy. There's a I, lot of things to blame Predator 2 on. It woke me up. It, it's, if you've seen Predator 2, and this is the scene I showed you, I was like, you got to see this scene. It's the crazy scene in the graveyard where uh, the, he realizes the Predator's around. He's like, ah, and he freaks out. And like, it's so over the top. That's a bad movie. Predator is a great movie. Yeah, and the, just the difference in tone. I, I never would have, if you would have told me that that scene, not having ever seen that movie and said, yeah, there's a graveyard with Danny Glover and the Predator. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and a little kid who has a toy gun and the yes. Predator briefly thinks he's a threat and he's like, nope, that's just a little kid. Beyond crazy. Who has candy. So, yeah, I hadn't seen this one as many times and um, so I, I think kind of for this, I, I might be more of the, the, the wet blanket on some things because I don't, I don't have as many fond memories of it. That doesn't mean that I can't appreciate it. But it's not one that, yeah, where I I was having a lot of fun going back and re- reliving yeah. being young again, as I'm sure sure you did, kind of going through this one. I mean, is it one that you didn't see until later, or, it, or is it just yeah. one that you didn't really see all, like frequently? No, so I didn't see it until later, and I also didn't wind up seeing it frequently. Okay, so both. Yeah, so I, I think some of it, probably the reason why I didn't identify as much with it or, or you know take to it where I wanted to see it over and over again, it does have... Some some of the great lines, oh. w- without a doubt. Yeah, I mean the the writing in this, I think 
you know, when you, people talk about Predator, I don't think they talk about it as a like, well, really well written movie, but I really think it is. Like, there are some like amazing, memorable lines of dialogue in this yeah. movie. It definitely has that. I think because so much of it is the, uh, it's not the horror slasher movie, but it, it it kind of is. And and as we went through the Terminator, the Terminator, I didn't remember it being that way, but it definitely is. I think that's the reason why when I picked it up later, that was never kind of my genre. And I think that's the reason why maybe I didn't gravitate as much to this movie as some of Arnold's others. Well, I think that's that's one of the things I really love about the Predator, about Predator, about the Predator. I don't know why. Well, you I'm, love the Predator as well. I think, well, yes, that's true. But uh, I think the new movie they're making is called The Predator. So I think I'm... Yes. If, I think Shane Black is attached. I don't know if he's writing or directing. He's definitely writing, and I think probably directing. Oh, okay. There's some rumors. He's, they're trying to get Arnold attached. Uh, oh, that would be great. It would be amazing. But uh, it's the thing I love about Predator is I love the fact that basically, you know, the three acts are very kind of like, at least I can very clearly pick out the three acts in this movie, and almost each act is a different kind of movie. Hmm. Like the first act is basically a war movie. It's like the Dirty Dozen or something. It's a yeah. team of guys, and they're going to go, and they're going to kick ass and take down these guys. And, and they definitely do that. And it's, it's, it's awesome, and it's the kind of like, you know, war is fun kind of style of movie. Just like, yeah, it's an adventure. We're going to go, and we're going to shoot those guys and shoot them in the face, and hooray. And, yes. And then... That kind of stuff isn't made today, but yes. No, well, but I think it's done for, with a purpose, because the second act is this group of elite soldiers who we've seen take down an entire like camp with ease... You know, the tables are completely turned. There's a creature hunting them, which is way more advanced than even they are, and way more elite than they are. And, you know, basically they're getting it from the other end. It's almost like this uh, kind of a comeuppance, even though we like these guys and they're our yeah. heroes. So in, in, yeah, you were describing it as a horror movie, and I think that middle section is very much that, where they're just getting picked off one by one, and it's almost like, you know, like Jason is hunting them. Yeah, whatever. that's it's, exactly what it's It has like. that kind of a structure. Yeah. And then the third act is the one-on-one confrontation where the tables get turned again and Arnold's character Dutch realizes the weakness of the predator and you know everything flips and basically like it becomes this one-on-one confrontation where they they're now equals as I say they're equally matched and it's it's just a mano mano it's funny because the, what I was reading in the trivia is this movie was inspired by Rocky 4 no it's like kind of a, <laughs> l- l- hear me out because the jo- basically the joke was in Hollywood who is he going to fight next? An alien? Like, where could this... Because after Rocky IV was big, bombastic thing, we, we, he basically defeated the Soviet Union. Yes. It's like, where could you take the series from there? He'd have to fight an alien. That was the joke. And some guys went like, well, why don't we just make that movie, more or less? Because in the end, he's basically fist-fighting the Predator. Yeah, he is. And, but, but it's great. Like, it's just one-on-one. It kind of... It, it turns into that kind of a movie where... You know, it's a it's a man taking on his opponent, and they learn to respect each other. Yeah, no, in in some ways, it's sort of, and I know at one point Van Damme did a little bit of work on this, but it's almost like a Van Damme movie where he squares off and does the kickboxing, you know, at, at the end, right, with his opponent, right. It's it's which it's, Arnold movies generally aren't aren't that movie, which is kind of interesting because most of the time he's always just using guns. He he really doesn't get into many fist fights, and we talked about that I think on a racer maybe. Yeah, and yeah, this is one. Of, you're right. This is one of the few times where that's true. All his weapons are taken away, basically. Yeah, like he loses them, and he's got to form make, make his boy, and, boy, boy scout yeah. traps and uh, and bows. Well, he makes. I, I have a note somewhere saying he makes bows by flexing because <laughs> during that during that montage, he's just like the original bow flex, making right? a bow. Yes, exactly. Literally. Um, so no, then, but I, I love this movie. Yeah. So and then when I guess uh, I'm taking from our opening intro here is that uh, it's it's held up for you. 100%. This isn't just my favorite Arnold movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, it's, 
you know, I wouldn't call it an action movie. Like I said, I think it, it, it kind of flows through different yeah, it's genres. Inter- it's interesting that you bring that up because I didn't, going through this, see that distinct break. But now that you kind of outline it, I can see that where it does have, you know, the, the three acts can very well be defined by three different types of movies. I think that's a, a, a good analysis. But it, but it happens, like, gradually enough that you don't – it doesn't call attention to itself. You know what I mean? It's not like from dusk till dawn or whatever. It's yeah. Like, hey, guess what? Now it's a zombie movie or <laughs> vampire or whatever. It's, you know, here it just – it's like a frog in a pile of boiling water or whatever that is. Right. It, it, it doesn't know that it doesn't it, realize it's that being cooked. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like that where it's just like, oh – you know, even while they're getting attacked by the predator, they still think it's the army attacking them. And they're treating it like a war scenario, and like they yeah. they don't realize for a while that you know what, what they're really what up against. Going. Yeah. On that, just uh, before we move on, on that Rocky Four, is that just IMDb trivia, or did you find it somewhere and actually corroborate it? I think I saw it someplace else. Also, I think it might be also on Wikipedia, but you know, those are two. <laughs> I'm sure one one source the other, and vice versa. Yes. It doesn't necessarily mean they're independent sources, but I like to think, and I. I it's a fun idea, even if it's not true. I think the original draft was a bit more like, you know, or you know, it was more of a one guy. Like, if if you took Commando and halfway through through the Predator in there, I think that was the initial idea. And I think I, what I was reading is when they pitched it to Arnold, Arnold was the one saying, "I want a team." Like, he is like, "I've never done a movie where I had a team." You know, basically, he wanted to be, to be more like the Dirty Dozen, something like that. And I'm glad they did that because that's one of my favorite things about yeah, the way I, this is, is his team and the way they interact with each other. And I think it's really like those guys, like all those characters are really great. Yeah, no, I agree. And that, that definitely was the better way to go uh, than having it kind of mono and mono straight from the beginning. So I, I think I remember when we were discussing Commando. And I, again, I do not know the Predator universe that well. I, I thought you said that you thought that Predator was supposed to have taken place in Valverde. And I couldn't, I didn't see anything that would indicate that. No, well, the movie never says that. I, it was again. It was I saw it on the internet. So the, all these things are so spur- spurious that it's, yeah. there's no way to know. But I, th- I think it was something about. I like I like the idea and the world that all of that both Commando and Predator take place in the in the same country. I know, but that those two movies are so hard to reconcile because that <laughs> Commando is such a cartoon, and this movie, yeah. you know, even though this movie is about an alien hunting humans for sport, it's the most preposterous like schlocky concept john mctiernan treats it so with such gravitas i you know or maybe, maybe i'm over maybe this is my rose colored glasses but i yeah. really do feel like the movie feels as real it's like if that actually happened this is what it would actually be like i mean at least it, it feels as real as you could be i mean granted there's some cartoony things with the giant minigun and stuff but. yeah there, there certainly are i'll say this since i don't hold it as in as high regard as you do you know in the hands of a weaker director this could have been really bad. Oh, so, yeah. I, oh, and it, it came very close to being very bad. We've been talking around the Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff, but basically what happened was the, the initial Predator that they built, because Stan Winston built the Predator, we all know that, you know, and he built he did the Terminator, and he's obviously an like incredibly talented like creature guy. They hired someone initially who they wanted to save some money on the creature, <laughs> and uh, it looks ridiculous. I Actually, have not seen that. Let me, let me see if I can uh, pull it up. Yeah, or just like... Find an image, because it's on the the behind-the-scenes stuff, and it just looks like a dumb lizard. It has, like, a tiny little head, and it looks terrible. And the funny thing is, the way they got that invisibility effect is they put Jean-Claude Van Damme in a red suit. Basically, they had two versions of the alien. They had the version that was just looked like a lizard, and then they had a red version, and the reason it was red is so they could key it out. 
okay. they couldn't use green screen or blue screen because the jungle is green and the sky is blue. So they used red. And then they would remove the red and insert the invisibility effect. And so this red lizard thing, it just the footage of Jean-Claude Van Damme in a red lizard suit running around the jungle, it's the most ridiculous. I mean, this movie could have been real bad. Luckily, like the studio gave them more money to go back and reshoot it, and they hired Stan Winston and made a whole new creature. Like basically the whole last third of this movie was reshot. Wow. Like they shot a whole different ending with the lizard guy. Like, you know, the predator is a little lizardy, but I mean, it looked like a chameleon. Like she calls it a chameleon. Yeah. Uh, Anna does. I mean, that's what it looked like. That's why she said chameleon, because it looked like a big, dumb, hulking chameleon. Do you think so, or is it because of its ability to effectively reflect back? Well, yeah, obviously there's that, too. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know about this Jean-Claude Van Damme suit, that there might have been a different reason for that line of dialogue, but... (laughs) Okay, there it is. That's a perfect... You get both versions right here. Oh, wow. Look at that thing. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It... Is the original Predator suit. Wow, that is pretty bad. Yeah, so this is the one he'd run around with that would get keyed out to be invisible, and this is the one when it was not invisible. Look at that thing. Yeah. It's that, like out of the 50s. I, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, oh, man, I I'm going to forget my Spider-Man character names. It looks a little bit like Venom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, it, it does not look good, though. No, it, but it, it, imagine Venom in a big, dumb rubber suit. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the Predator that I really like is it's a character. It's not just a monster. Yep. It's thinking and it's making, it's making moral decisions at the end when he could, he could have killed Dutch and he decides not to because he respect, he's come to respect him and he drops his guns and he's going to fight him hand to hand. That's a moral decision he's making. It's not just a monster. He's not just killing for no reason. He's killing for sport. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's so cool. I'm just, I can't even imagine that thing. You know, there's no, no, that's thinking. You can't imagine that thing thinking. It looks more like a monster there. And and, it, and, it, and, and and I think the final design you can actually see because Kevin Peter Hall I think it was yes uh, uh, you know that design you you can see his eyes I mean yeah. they put contacts on or whatever whereas this thing it's just a big dumb mask there's no you can't see any you, if you can't see the creature's eyes it doesn't have any intelligence to it you know I just think boy I'm so glad they went back and they reshot I wonder it, how it many could have been a disaster I wonder how many roundhouse kicks it would have done <laughs> if it was Jean Claude Van Damme as well yeah I mean. Yeah, I, th- I think that was what Jean Claude Van Damme thought was going to happen. <laughs> I think he thought he, he thought he's going to. I'll show them my, my martial arts. I can't do Van Damme at all. I'll, I'll show them my martial arts. You know, they're going to make me a big star, and I'll have a big fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they kind of went like, "No, just run from here to there. Yeah, you know, swing your arms, move and your arms around, and we're going to have this <laughs> noise in the background." I, I know Jean Claude Van Damme was like super upset. <laughs> he was not happy with his role in this movie. I mean, this is before he had done anything. So yeah, before Bloodsport, so he was lucky to even get hired. I don't know what the story was behind that, but I know he was pissed off when when they were done shooting. He, just, he thought he was going to be a, way more involved in this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. that that was a long intro. We're um, planning on treating this episode like our last one, where we won't uh, necessarily go through sequentially with every single scene. But kind of just talk about the uh, highlights and the lowlights. So uh, I think we've got a good good kind of intro there. So since this is definitely your among your favorite movies of all time, let alone just the favorite in the Schwarzenegger, why don't you uh, lead us off? Well, I mean, we can kind of go vaguely in order, but we're just not going to be so strict about it. Because I do want to talk about, I mean, as much as I love this movie, I do have some minor complaints about yeah. it. Not, like nothing major, but there are little things where it's just like, boy, I wish they hadn't done that. Uh, I mean, and the opening shot is one of them. I think that spaceship does not look great. No, it doesn't. It's not a great effect. I, I, I'll bet it was like left over from the first effects house they tired or whatever, and and you just don't need it. Like I would have preferred it. Yeah. If you just hey, you discover it along with them that oh, there's a creature in the woods. Like yeah, I was 
surprised and I'm just not sure, as you said, why you need it. It Does it really matter that it comes from somewhere else? Whether it was... Sure. Whether it was something that was constructed, you know, in a lab here on Earth, or it's an, you know, an alien being, I just don't know know that it matters. And it just removes some of the mystery about it because it's like, oh, that's what his spaceship looks like. I mean, the way they reveal the Predator itself is, I think, really well done. Like first, it's mostly just POV, and then you get POV and like hands come into the POV. I think it's when he picks with that scorpion, and then you see the the camouflage effect, but that's all. And then, you know. You see the eyes flash, and then you see, I think after that is when he gets wounded, and you see him healing himself, but you only see arms and legs. Like, there's, like, multiple, multiple stages of the reveal, yeah. and then you only see it with the mask, and then finally he removes the mask. Like, there's, like, nine different steps there, Yep. and they do a great job with the mystery of it, and I just feel like, oh, and there's that spaceship right at the front. It's just like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see that spaceship. It just looks bad, too. It looks like a corny uh, it, it like looks, Buck Rogers. I was going to say, it looks kind of bolted, tacked on. I agree. Yeah, so I think that's that's one complaint I have, is I don't, I don't like that opening shot. Also, it's basically the exact same shot as the opening of The Thing. Oh, I do not know The Thing very oh, well, really? so I'll take your, take your word for that. I mean, I, I like The Thing. I haven't watched it in a while, but it's only just now occurring to me. It wasn't even like a note. I, I would have checked if I had thought of it earlier, but I, I think so. I think The Thing has the exact same opening shot. Maybe they borrowed it. No, I mean, not, not exactly the same. Yeah. It's, the ship is different. I think the thing, it's like the ship's like wobbling, like it's crashing. Whereas here, he's obviously deliberately like going down for the hunt. Yeah, so that is the only other thing that I kind of wonder. So do you think that the plan is that they, I, was was the Predator exiled from the ship? Or is this an entire, you know, kind of race of these things that goes around to various planets and just hunts for sport or what? Well, I, I think the implication is... And maybe you know, because I mean, I know, look, you've got Predator 2, Alien yeah. versus Predator. I don't know anything else because I haven't seen any of those movies. There's definitely more information in Predator 2, but it's, a lot of it is still speculation. Well, that's not true. The ending of Predator 2 is very clear. But anyway... If you just take the information in this movie, we know that it came before because Anna tells a story about when she was a little girl. It came. Oh yeah, that's right. So, and I think the idea is it comes. It's it's hunting for sport. It hunts humans for sport. You know, whenever it decides to come by. You know, like <laughs> every ten twenty years. Whenever uh, it needs a vacation. Yeah, but in, in Predator Two, actually, they they talk about how. This has been going back hundreds of years, and not to spoil ending a Predator Two, but don't. It's not good, so who cares? But at the end of Predator Two, Danny Glover ends up in the Predator spaceship, and there's a there's a there's a flintlock gun from like the seventeen like something seventeen fifteen. So the implication being they've been doing this for hundreds of years at least, because they had some old gun. <laughs> that just sounds so terrible. Yeah, it's not great. Predator Two is not great. It's too again. I don't want to see the outside of the spaceship, so I certainly don't want to see the inside of the spaceship. Did did can I ask you this? And we shouldn't spend any more time. I know on this. <laughs> it's just the Predator did, Two. Did episode. Danny Glover? Did he use Jeff Goldblum's computer virus to be able to access that no, spaceship? The, the ship was he just fell in a hole and suddenly he's in the ship. Oh my god, it's dumb. And it, it, Predator Two is not great. Uh, I still kind of like it because I do like Predator. You know, I, I like the Predator as a character. Well, the, so the the intro for the Predator, as as we've just discussed, we're we're not happy with. What do you think about Schwarzenegger and kind of the the crew's introduction? Oh, it's great, it's great. I love it. I think it's really. I like it for two reasons. Number one, I think a modern movie would be tempted to show these guys in action. You know, like almost like a Bond pre-titled, like we're going to show you how badass these guys are, yeah. and then sort of like <laughs> the Expendables, which right. The, this is, is and here's the, here's another question for you: Is this the original Expendables? No, they're not expendable. That's, he's, uh, Dutch is very clear. My, my team is not expendable. To Dutch, they're not, but not to Dylan. That's to true. Dylan, they very much are. Yes. I, the, the thing is, though, they 100% complete the mission with flying colors. So, you know, 
if not for the Predator, they would have like completely come back a success. So it's not their fault. Dylan picked the right team for the job. No, I, but I, I'm glad they don't do that. Like they get right to it. It's just like you know, story starting. Here's the, here's the team, and then there's a brief scene with the with the briefing. A brief scene with the briefing. How's that for an accidental with uh, a general that that we uh, yes. know and love? <laughs> We're very familiar. Uh, I'm, I was glad to see he kicked his amyl nitrate uh, <laughs> problems. It's R.G. Armstrong who plays this guy. Uh, he was in Stay, Stay Hungry. Hungry, Thor, and we had very many negative things to say about that performance and that character. I mean, I don't think it was the actor's fault. Just that character was so crazy. It's just like, what a nightmare of a character Thor was. Uh, yeah, I, I still, or maybe it was the actor's fault because even this this general, I don't know. I, I know I think we get his name, but I didn't write it down. But he still has like the wild-eyed, crazy oh, look yeah. of... <laughs> Thor, he's still kind of—he's he's not a general that I wouldn't want to follow in the battle. Yeah, he does look kind of nuts. Like I think maybe that actor just kind of—that's what he like does. This. I wonder if that was at Arnold's request. Like I worked with this guy and stay hungry. He was—he played a crazy gym owner who was high in amyl nitrate. You know? I, I can't imagine that he'd be perfect for this general. <laughs> like he doesn't look general-ish, no. if you will. He's so. so old, too. Yeah, he's, he's very old. Like, I think... Uh, he was pretty old and stay hungry. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean... And he, that was 10, you know, 12 years or prior. He looks 70 in this movie. And, yeah. And uh, on the commentary, John McTiernan was commenting about how... I th- I th- I'll bet Arnold requested this. a good this word. Because... He said, like, oh, yeah, this guy is too old to be this general. And he wore a lot of, he said, McTiernan said he wore a lot of, like, tan makeup to try to, like, <laughs> to try and make, cover wrinkles or younger. whatever. I mean, it's fine. The guy's in the movie for two minutes, but he is the guy telling them where they're going and all yeah, that. So, giving them, as you said, their briefing. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. No, but I do, I, I just, you know, the guy's coming out of the helicopter and they're wearing their civilian clothes and you kind of get a sense of what their character, you know, is like. Who they are. Right. I like that Bill Duke is wearing almost the exact same suit that he's wearing in Commando. That that did bring a big smile up my face. Number one, that he's wearing a suit to this at all. <laughs> right. But all I could think of as I was watching, and I do not know this movie that well, all I could think of was the price. Right. <laughs> so what he likes best about things, the price. Yeah. It's probably where they got that helicopter. He just he just uh, you know took it for a test spin. He's yeah. Just, he, oh. he never and he never took brought, brought it back. American workmanship built this helicopter and he just flew it away. The only the one thing that I and again maybe this is kind of a trope that shouldn't be done, but I I'm surprised and I I feel, I feel like it's a missed opportunity that they don't give you the reveal of the order of when the the team is going to get killed and it seems like you know, it's done a lot in horror movies where they, they tip their hand. And it's not just in horror movies. In a lot of movies, they'll tip it by having the order of when they're exiting somewhere or going into somewhere. Being oh, really? The order. Yeah. I didn't know it was a thing. I've never yeah. noticed that. Yeah, no, it, it's happened in a number of movies. I should I should be able to come up with one off the top of my head. Are you talking about like Friday the 13th, a movie like that, or just like... Like that, but in, in, in not just like in... a war the, movie? Uh, in, in war movies, sometimes in some of the crime movies, you'll have it where the, the, the order of when they're either leaving or speaking... I can't remember if in Reservoir Dogs it's that way. Huh. I mean, I know in Reservoir Dogs you, you get the clue of you know who the undercover cop is because Mr. Orange is ratting on Mr. Pink on who won't... Right, who, who won't put th- in a tip. Yeah, who won't throw in a buck. Yeah. Um, buck, you cheap bastard. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I didn't know that was a thing. That's yeah, the first so I, yeah, I've seen I've seen it, you know, done in other things. So it just seems like that that would be an opportunity to have them kind of go out in the exit in the order that they're going to exit the movie. Yeah, that definitely doesn't happen here. Because I think no. what uh, Jesse Ventura and Bill Duke are the first ones out. Yeah, and then yeah, 
and uh, Jesse Ventura as Blaine. He's wearing the MTV T-shirt, which I'm sure at the time they filmed this in '86. Like that's that's kind of a new thing. Yeah, like, it was topical. Yeah, I, I'm even after all the times I've watched this, I'm still not entirely clear if these guys are mercenaries or if they're somewhere in the chain of command in the army. Well, no, I mean I I certainly take it from um, Dylan's comment to Dutch that you're you're still under orders that they're they're not mercenaries. They yeah, but I but. I don't know. I mean, this is way before like stuff like Blackwater was common, like you know, private military contractors. contractors. But yep. I mean, I, my understanding is if they're a contractor, they still have to follow the chain of command, even if they're a contractor. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, I, I feel like if they no. were some kind of contract like group that they no, brought in, they, they have, still would need to follow orders. They would, but they're not a contract group because they have ranks. I mean, they, that's they, true. They all have ranks, so they're definitely. I don't know what branch of military, but. Um, they're because I don't know if they're Marines or, or Army, but they're they're definitely yeah. I mean, they, they seem like Army, but I don't know. I don't. I, I'm no expert. But it's weird because it, it, they talk about how they've turned down jobs. Like, how come you didn't do that thing in Libya? And like, that wasn't my style. That that is a good point. I don't know how they could refuse orders. Yeah. So it, it's it's like little of both. Like it's not clear yeah. what, which of their they are. Um, but yeah, uh, Dylan played by Carl Weathers is, is he's, waiting I, for him. Yeah. For me, oh. he's got to be the highlight of the movie. I, he's so good in this movie. Yeah. And he didn't do much after this. Like this is after he was dead in the Rocky franchise. So <laughs> unfortunately, like, Oh, Ivan Drago, how yeah. you robbed us of Apollo Creed. I, uh, yes. I, I, I love his Apollo Creed. I mean, look, as much as I love the predator movies, I love the Rocky movies more. And yeah. like, so, I mean, believe me, I have a lot of affection for Carl Weathers. He's in a lot of things that I love. But yeah, after this, he did Action Jackson, which is not good. No. There are a lot of Predator actors in Action Jackson, which is, I remember years ago, I haven't watched it in at least 10 years, but I remember when I watched it, it was like, hey, Bill Duke's in this. Hey, Sonny Landham's in this. Like, too, too bad this movie isn't any good. No. I, I remember him jumping over a car, like, as it, like, what, what was that, uh, did Kobe Bryant start to do that commercial where he quote-unquote jumped over a car? I think it was Kobe, yeah. yeah. In, in Action Jackson, Carl, Carl Weathers does that, like, for real. Not for real, but, you know, his character jumps over a car that's trying to run him over. I think it even does, like, a sound, like a $6 million man I think so. It's been a long time. Anyway. And it was either it's either Kobe or why am I thinking it might have been Tracy McGrady? Yeah, maybe it was Tracy McGrady. It's one of those two. But anyway, I just... Carl Weathers should have had a much bigger career than he did. I feel like he was born too soon. I think if he was born 10 years later, he would have had Wesley Snipes' career. Because there just wasn't, weren't a lot of roles. There, you know, there wasn't a ton, but for what he did, though, he's got, he's got a pretty good filmography. Sure. Well, and, you know, I, you and I both uh, appreciate his appearances on Arrested Arrest Development. Development. I, I think that, that that's maybe why I'm giving more credit not remembering what he did after Predator. And maybe you're right. If it was Action Jackson and nothing else. And it, it, I mean, I can't think of anything he was in after Action. That was like the next year, like 88, something like that. And then yeah, he disappeared for a long time. Like, he yeah. was not in a, until like Happy Gilmore, which is like yeah, ninety six. And, so, and that's the thing is so like for me when I'm I'm kind of thinking of Carl Weathers, that's exactly the, so the the two roles that I think of immediately because I'm not a huge as huge of a Rocky fan as you are. I think Chubbs Peterson, which most Adam Sandler movies are not funny, but I still to the I I have not outgrown Happy Gilmore. I it's still can laugh at it. Unquestionably the best of all those. Yes, and some of it has to do with the Carl Weathers and Chubbs Peterson. He is a really really funny character. Yes. Oh, he's funny. He's funny in the Rocky movies. Yes, and then uh, in Arrested Development, I I can't say he's among my favorites, but he he fits in and does really well in a show that has an unbelievable cast, including. The guest actors that they'll have, right? Not just the primary cast. The primary cast is one of the best, I think, comedic ensemble casts ever put together. 
but just who they will get on an episode by episode basis are really talented people. Yeah. Carl Weathers holds his own and his his <laughs> running joke in there of being outrageously cheap. Right. I've I've read Don't throw he, those bones away. Put them, No, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Put them in a stew. There's plenty of meat left on that bone. Throw it in a pot, add some broth, veggies. You got a stew going, baby. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know the quote way oh, better than I yeah, do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's I, clear. Yes, I'm a huge, huge Arrested Development fan, and I know you're a fan as well. But that, I mean, I give him credit because I had either read or was in the commentary. That was his idea. They wanted Carl Weathers to be in it. And he just came to him and said, hey, I've got this idea. I, w- I would love it if I'm just outrageously cheap. And right. I was like, great, run with it. And his intro in this is is. Just outstanding. Yeah, I love he's he's kind of sitting in there like the smoky kind of cafe, this like Central American cafe, and uh, you know, wearing wearing a, uh, a a shirt with short sleeves and a tie, which I love the Sipowitz <laughs> look. Yeah, I, it's weird that uh, Dutch gives him a hard time for his tie, but Bill Duke's wearing a whole suit. <laughs> yeah, it really is his tie business. Whatever he says, it really is unfair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I is guess, it just because Max clear? You know, one of his guys now, Mac can get away with wearing the wearing the suit, but uh, the CIA's got him pushing too many pencils yeah, for Dylan. I was gonna say like he's maybe just Mac. That's he knows what to expect with Mac. Whereas his his perception of Dylan is as a soldier, and now he's wearing this tie, and yeah, it's like it not be. what he expected. But that intro from the the, the arm wrestle and yeah, oh yeah, two. I mean, two of the best lines of all time. What are you talking about? The ones that ended up on the soundboard, or yes? I mean, that's the, for me the reason why they are. Yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils. Yeah, that that handshake slash arm wrestle. It's a handshake that becomes an arm wrestle. Yeah. It's so over the top. It gets a close up with yes. just the two arms, the two of them flexing. Yeah, and Carl Weathers being overpowered. I I kind of feel like this movie is. Like the way it portrays these like hyper hyper macho guys, like it's kind of poking fun at it a little bit. I feel like because that that shot of the two of them, like the close up of the handshake, is so over the top that it's kind of funny. It's like there's a reason why it, people it, kind of poke fun at it. It's interesting that you say that. Then you know what I I hadn't thought of it, but maybe maybe that's really something that McTiernan and I I haven't listened to the commentary, but maybe that's something that while he was making all this money and making these action movies, maybe he's somewhat self-loathed it a little bit and was poking fun of it because to do Last Action Hero really was taking that genre and really poking holes and poking fun. But you're right. that I mean, all of his action movies have a lot of comedy in them. Die Hard has a lot of comedy in it. Yeah. I mean, some work better than others. I was like, And it's not just the comedy, but I think some of it is at the expense of the genre. I don't know if you right. get that as much in Die Hard, but you definitely get it. You're right. I hadn't thought about it here in Predator. You get it, and you definitely, you know, obviously that's a huge part of what Last Action Hero is. Right, but you know, but the the, the FBI guys being bumbling idiots and all that. I yeah, mean, that's that's kind of poking fun. And even you know, Hunt for Red October has some comedy. In yeah, <laughs> like he sneaks it in there. I think I think secretly he wanted to be like a comedy director. He wanted to be Ivan Reitman deep down. Yeah. So now that we uh, we've got the team kind of introduced, we got Dylan. We know where they're headed and what they need to do. Here here's a good good time for me to ask you and maybe to ask uh, the audience as well at Bad Puns Podcast on Twitter. Who is your favorite member of the team? Uh, I that's figured a good question. I figured you'd immediately have no an because you're asking me to choose. You know which Among child your I children like, I like the best. I, I, I mean, my knee jerk would would be Jesse Ventura as Blaine, but you know what? Actually, I think my favorite is Billy. Really, I think Billy is great because he's not. He doesn't have. Like, he's just quietly imposing in a way yeah. that I really like and. Uh, 
You know, the way the way that uh, Billy seems among the most responsible in the group. Yeah, well, he's the most skilled. He's the tracker, and he's tracking. You know, he's, he's the one who kind of first starts to understand that there's something stalking them and all that. I'm and, just trying to figure out. So, was Hawkins Shane Black just there for the comedy writing? I, it doesn't seem like he brings a lot to the table. Well, I, I think uh, they hired him just so they, they would have a writer on set. And the only thing, my understanding is, the only things that he wrote were those jokes. <laughs> Otherwise, that's what I had in my notes. I'm like, oh, the comedy stylings of Shane Black as he's getting ready. <laughs> no, but I think that's part of the reason why I like Billy is he doesn't suffer like not, well, not Billy. No, but I'm Hawkins. saying, but but Billy doesn't. Why I like Billy is because he's not he's not uh, humoring Hawkins. If he doesn't think the joke is funny, he just stone faces him. He's just like you know, it's true. And maybe you know, Hawkins thinks it's because he doesn't understand. But he he's just like. He doesn't suffer fools, Billy. He's just like, Hawkins, I'm not laughing at that. Bill, Billy's laugh is, is pretty frightening, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is when he does find it funny, it's just so great. He's just like, ha, 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 and the Predator steals it later. I was just going to say, I love that the Predator decides to sample that, and that's what he's going to steal. But, uh, yeah, what was I going to say? Anyway, but yeah. we. It, so your favorite is Billy. That's that's, oh, that's, that's what sorry, I got. That's what and, we were and for, and yeah, yeah, what about you? Yeah, and for me, it, it's pretty easy. It's It's pretty... It's pretty cheap, but it, it's got to be plain. plain yeah. yeah, he's got all the great lines. That's he's, for sure. That, and that—that's what I, I am a sucker for. His lines are fantastic. And that—that that, that minigun, even is, even some of them that don't make sense. And yes, the minigun as well. It's pretty amazing. Although I, I think in actuality that like the amount of ammo he had on his back because he was actually firing that gun and he was firing blanks. He could his backpack could only hire enough ammo for five seconds of firing that gun. <laughs> like that's in reality, that's all he would be able to carry. Because every time they filmed him, they could only film for five seconds. And really, he'd run out of blanks because that's that thing fired so many rounds. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So in actuality, it's preposterous the idea that he'd be carrying around that thing. Like it he, is. If he actually wanted enough ammo to last him the entire mission, he'd have to have like a <laughs> truck behind him. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, but it's still awesome. It is an absurd weapon, but it's a lot of fun. Although, what I will say is, I think, of the two, I actually think I still prefer T2. Uh, that, that entire sequence with that minigun, I, I think I prefer. Here, though, you actually get to see it do some damage. I mean, granted, it's doing damage, but it's not actually hitting anybody, whereas here, like, in the sequence where they're attacking that village, the shots of Blaine just blowing dudes away, just, just you know, he'll come around a corner and there'll be three guys and he just... And then they just evaporate. It's amazing. It is true. I guess I... And that tree, when he, there's a guy in the tree, and uh, what is it? Someone said, oh, uh, Max, like, get that mother. And then he just turns, he just he cuts down the whole tree. I, and the whole, <laughs> the whole tree falls down. All right. You, you, I, I might be able to come around. It, it is pretty awesome in both. I also think the sound effect in this movie, I love the sound of that gun. Whereas I think in, the, in Terminator 2, it's just sort of like... It just sounds like a gun. It doesn't sound that unique. No, whereas they really played it up in this one. Yeah, this one. The, the it, it. I just love the sound it makes. But I mean, the actual answer I think is Dutch. Like Arnold is awesome in this movie. Yeah, and it's like the, if you're taking best member of the team, like he's almost not part of the team. He's no. the leader. But yeah, I, I, and and that's certainly what I meant. It is that Dutch doesn't count because I mean he he's the one who makes it to the end. So I I really want to know the member of the team, not the leader of the team. Yeah, I will say this viewing, I had a greater appreciation for Poncho, who I feel like is the forgotten member of the team. But he's actually you know he he doesn't have like a big personality like the rest of these guys. Like even compared to Shane Black, he's just kind of quietly competent and he yeah. just you know he's he's the guy with the grenade launcher and he fires a grenade launcher once in a while. But uh, 
I don't know. I, he, he, I, I never really think of him when I think of this movie, but it's, I, I noticed him this time. It's like, yeah, I should give Poncho more credit. I, I would give him credit because he is successful at exterminating Alabama ticks, is what I had in, uh, in my notes. Yes. That was one body count I wasn't sure about. So since we're not going to order, we, we should probably plow through those bodies in the attack because there's a yeah, lot so, of them. So what I was going to say is now that we've kind of moved through, we know what their mission is. We know who our favorites are. Um, yeah, I'd say let's let's get to really where the majority of the damage and really kind of the majority of the puns, too, the, as limited as they are, kind of get flushed out in the rescue well, sequence. I don't want to skip the helicopter sequence because I do like, you know, that's kind of where all their their personalities are established. So just to mention, like, you know, it's playing the long tail Sally. Yes. But, you know, the long tall Sally, not the long tail Sally. But I only noticed, I swear, as big a fan of this movie I am, I only just this time realized that near the end of the movie when uh, Mac is chasing after the Predator and trying to get revenge. With the minigun? Yeah, well... Uh, well, first the minigun, and then he runs out, and then he takes off your right, and it's just his but he's machine re- gun. And he's reciting the lyrics to the song, which I never knew. I never put the two and two together. Huh. He's been like, he's just saying, I'm going to have me some fun. I'm going to have me some fun. He, that's the song. I, you know, I don't know the lyrics very well, but I distinctly remember him saying it, and it did seem kind of weird. I'm like, what in the, what is he talking about? But I only just picked, I mean, I've, I've seen this movie at least 25, 30 times, and I've, I only just now yeah. picked up, because it starts with long tail, long tall Sally, she's got everything, whatever, whatever the lyrics are. You know, I should have picked up on that before. It made so me that's, feel like a that's him playing, uh, playing their song, him and Max's song, one last time. Yeah, basically. I mean, it was it was Blaine's song. It's pretty clear that he's the one who wants to listen to the song. Cause, yes, you know, he's it, it pans to him. He's like bopping along <laughs> with it. So. He's rocking out, getting ready to be a sexual tyrannosaur. Yeah, he has very strong opinions about people who do not uh, enjoy, you know, uh, but don't want mouth cancer. Yeah, chewing tobacco, but. Uh, yeah, so yeah, they, they drop in the jungle, and it pretty much it's pretty an uneventful trip to the camp. So I think we could probably skip that. Oh, they find the helicopter and all that. It's, yeah, so you but, do you do get the outline of they they think it's gorillas that have skinned the previous General Hopper and his men who had been sent in unsuccessfully, uh, and that you know you do have that. You made the point of how you know the first act is is more of a war movie, and that does keep to it a little bit, but it definitely plants the seed and makes you stop to think a little bit like, ooh, this this is almost a little bit more of a, a horror-ish movie with, with soldiers skinned alive. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't that's not to say that that doesn't happen in war, but that that's the one thing that tips it a little bit in that first act. Well, I think they, they comment on it, like, why would they do that? And, you know, I mean, I think this is maybe, well, I don't know what was common at the time, but, like, that level of atrocity, I think, would have been unusual. I mean, I... I I hate to say that maybe that seems like less unusual today than it would have at the time, but yeah, I, maybe. they do comment on it like, you know, why would anyone do this? Yeah. So, uh, you know, but yeah, I think they, they do assume that it was the gorillas that did it. Uh, so they, they do sneak up on the camp and, and have, uh, unlike John Matrix, they do have a good stealth mode and they are able to get to the camp undetected. They do. Uh, there is one moment as, when they're on the way to the camp uh, I want to touch on because it's when Dylan like, slips. And I love oh, that Mac. moment when Mac, <laughs> he goes to the semifer. You know, he's, he's, he's not happy with Dylan uh, no. you know, giving away their position. And he tells him what he's going to do with him. Mac, uh, Mac is pretty good. Oh, I mean, you know, Bill Duke in this movie, in general, uh, I think he's a great performance. Because after Blaine's dead and he's like, 
in mourning, like it's clear that the, the two of them are close and like he's right. really upset and ever his performance from that point to the end like he's great like he's doing so much more in this movie and he's really showing a depth of his like what he can do and commando he's just a guy like right he's just he tough fights guy. arnold but here he's like he's going through a lot and he Bill Duke does a great job yep he, yeah, sorry. Let's get to the camp. Do you want to? Do you want me to just give you the total, or should we run through all the all uh, the bodies? I would. Well, let, let's run through at least a few, uh, especially when you've got to get one that's double important to stick around. Yeah. Well, the, I, I thought you were talking double important because Sven has the first kill. So yeah, we already did mention. We did mention that Sven gets the first kill. Yeah. So I'm gonna plot through these real fast. So, okay. So Sven kills the the last hostage. Yep. Who I guess we learn is a CIA agent. Yeah, not, it doesn't really matter. We learn we don't learn enough to like understand what ha- what's happening there. The stakes don't really matter that much. Yeah, they, they start their attack. They sneak up for a while. Poncho sneaks up, strangles a guy. Uh, Mac and Blaine take out two guys in like a bunker, and this is then Dutch does his little trick with the truck. Trick with the truck, and you get a little Arnold face there as well as he strains to lift that truck. A little bit. It's it's pretty restrained as far as Arnold faces go, but yeah, well, it was, we should count it. It was stealth mode Arnold face because he was <laughs> yeah. trying not to grimace too he much. Wanna, he, could, he couldn't make his noises as Arnold exactly. face does. He couldn't be like, Argh! What? What's that? Someone's making strange grunting noises. And it probably would be louder than the loudest truck you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, well, they're using it as a generator or something, so yes. it kind of makes sense. I did notice this time uh, the truck is actually going in reverse. So it would be funny. He puts the truck off the chocks and then just runs them over. <laughs> like, ah, you know. I did not notice that, yeah, that the, it was in reverse. There are definitely a couple of shots of the wheels are running in reverse, so <laughs> he, so he should have been a more careful. That would have been great. Oh, wait, I need to put it in gear. I really messed this up. <laughs> I had this brilliant plan and it backfired. It literally, it crushed my legs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think basically every like Arnold's performance in general is very restrained. Arnold's face included. Yeah, it's probably. I, I think that's one reason why I like. He's not like playing up to his persona really in this movie, and I, no. I like that. He's just, you know, he's very professional. His character is very professional, and you know, he's not jokey like Arnold is usually jokey he's no not, and we, we talked about it with, on with some exceptions but yeah on Commando of how that was kind of a great example of his persona being defined right you know this is a couple years I think it's a couple years later and com- completely different yeah it's almost against that persona like even though there's so many like surface similarities of it's Arnold going into the jungle to, to wreak havoc uh, very very different characters I kind of I like serious Arnold. I like both Arnold. I, I like jokey, silly Arnold too. But I, I I really like this performance here. Anyway, yeah. So he cuts the truck uh, off the conveyor and sends it down the hill. Uh, I love the guy tries. He tries to jump into the truck and <laughs> he's trying to stop the truck, but that guy does not make it. So yeah, I've got nine killed in this explosion. Guy in the truck plus eight people just eaten. Uh, and then yeah, do we wanna, there's a lot of bodies here. I almost wonder. There's a lot of shooting and pretty much everyone gets kind of gets their own little moments, except, yeah. except for Shane Black, who doesn't really get much. That's that's the reason I asked why Hawkins was along for the ride, and now you've told me that basically it's because he was writing uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a writer on set. And I, I thought I had either because I didn't listen to the commentary. Maybe I read it somewhere that uh, was he writing Lethal Weapon at at this time too, or was it already done? I think he was writing. No, this, that that was already written. I don't think it had been made yet. I think he was writing uh, Last Boy Scout. Ah, The Last Boy Scout. That's right. And yes. you're right. I think I had read that Lethal Weapon had been written, and then they wanted him on set. Lethal right. Weapon hadn't either. It might have been filmed, but not released. Yeah. And then you're right. He wrote The Last Boy Scout, which is one I think you haven't seen that I actually I really enjoy. I, I saw it recently. I saw it whenever. Okay. Since I said that, I've seen it. Okay. 
and I, honestly, I actually didn't like it that much. Oh, wow. It's my least favorite Shane Black script so far. I think he even said he's not crazy about how it turned out, but... Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure why. I've always had a soft spot for The Last Boy Scout. Well, coincidentally, Damon Wayans is now in that Lethal Weapon TV show. So. I have seen that. I have not seen the TV show, but I have seen that he's in it. I hear it's bad. so <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, so anyway, I, uh, I would, a lot of gunfire. I'm not going to go through these one by one. Cause no, I think that the, the stick around one is probably the one that matters the most because that, uh, that's a pun as well. Yeah, I, I, was, I had a question about that, but yeah, I, I was... Like ninety percent saying yeah, we should count it as a pun, but I, I've been he is give- sticking to a wall. It's, yes. like, it's another one of those you know I let him go situations where it's kind of exactly what he's saying. It's probably a stretch, but with some of these, a lot of these aren't puns, but they're line you know one liners that they're almost puns, but they're not because they you know don't change the 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 word enough. Right. I mean, I feel like a pun needs to have a double meaning and. It's, it's, Throwing a knife and sticking him to a post and saying "stick around," he's of course yes, he's sticking around literally. Like it's almost not a pun, but yes, you, you could convince it's close me. Enough. You could convince me that it's not, but it's a great line. I will say, I a lot of this stuff uh, I was reading was shot second unit, and they brought in the the crew that filmed the A team for this sequence. That makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, because it has it does kind of feel like that, and it it doesn't have the same look as the rest of the movie. No, you're right. That makes complete sense. And now I'd like to see somebody out on YouTube just have this entire sequence, but replacing all the music with just the A-team <laughs> yeah. theme. Yeah, I, that would actually be you would, you, It probably would seem seamless. Did they, did they play the A-team theme during the show? It's been a long time since I've seen I don't, Did they I, play that? Da, 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 or, I think you would get it a little bit during you know, like the final rescue sequence or, or what, but no. Right. Otherwise, there were different, different parts to the score. But that's not what I want. I want the opening theme song. The, the theme, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think it would fit perfectly because it, it does. Because the thing is, I, I will say one of my little minor complaints is the moment where the guy's sneaking up on him before he tells him to stick around and kills him. Um, I mean, I, I just, first of all, like the geography makes no sense. Why is he sneaking up? It's a weird overhead shot that's really awkward. And then when he throws the knife, it's the fakest looking knife. It's just, it looks like it's made of tinfoil. Yes. So like this stuff, yeah, it, you can kind of tell it was not shot by John McTiernan because some of it looks pretty, a little chintzy. This is, some this of it's is, awesome, but some of it's kind of Well, they needed to save money somewhere, so this is where they were saving it. Yeah. But anyway, so there's, there's, there's that pun, and then he kicks open a door and says, knock, knock, and blows Sven through the wall. That one's a lot of fun, too. <laughs> Yeah, so I think Sven and the guy next to Sven are the last last two. Um, I'm I'm scanning through here. Oh no, the Alabama Tick is yeah. the last guy. I was gonna say I count it because I think that guy's gone. Yeah, I that was a so. lot of grenades that went up there. I mean, even if that grenade didn't kill him, they're gonna kill him eventually. We know he's there. And we know he's dead by the end. So yeah, I think we count it. So okay, so overall, from Sven killing, assassinating the guy to Alabama Tick, fifty five bodies wow. in this sequence. So it's it. it it's At least in- that's what I got. It's interesting that um, we, I don't remember if it was on the recap show, we asked whether, I think it was the, it was the recap show, whether or not we thought we were going to get uh, the over-under of 1,000. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know Predator that well. This gives us a much better chance. I was really. just going to say, we both went with the under. When I was watching the sequence, I started to say, oh man, I'm glad I didn't actually place any money on it, because this has probably got a high body count in this movie yeah. with, with that sequence. Oh, I mean, it's so much more than I would have guessed. I mean... Even, again, having seen this movie 30 times, 20 to 30 times, I would have guessed 30 bodies in that, open, in that sequence, not 55. I mean, it, it, it goes on longer, and it's just, you know, I, there's one shot that cracked me up because they, they cut to Arnold, and he's just shooting his gun. He shoots, like, 
It's just a quick burst. It's like, Bruh! and then they cut to three guys just, just <laughs> getting riddled with bullets. <laughs> so it's just, there's a lot of stuff like that where it's, you underestimate, you know, how many bodies there are going to be. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a fun sequence, but it is, it, it looks like they were shot by the team who made the, you know, the A team. That's the best way to put it, without a doubt. Yeah, but I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah, so... So then in the aftermath, Dylan seems like a, a, a kid in a candy store. And I, I'm not sure... It's just a bunch of papers strewn on the ground. I'm not sure why he thinks this is the jackpot. Yeah, I th- it seems like he was concerned. It seems like some kind of American documents fell into Russian hands. I do like the kind of non-specific proxy war that we're seeing. Because Sven is speaking Russian. He's clearly a Russian. You know, and here's all these Americans coming in. They're obviously it's like this was the Cold War was still going on. This was kind of what was happening in the '80s. These like proxy wars in, the, in Central America. So uh, I like the non-specific kind of you know political intrigue. But I, I think that's what it was. I think the idea is the guerrillas shot down a, a chopper that had documents, CIA documents. The Russians got their hands on them, but they got in and got them back before they were able to ship them off or whatever. Something so, like that. So here's here's the other question for me: Why? Why is this? Why does the predator allow this camp to exist? It would seem like hunting those guys down would be just as sporty. Or is it because they're not the elite team of commandos the way uh, Dutch's team is set up that they're not as interesting of kills for the predator? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know, but I, <laughs> I mean, I, I know I, why in the structure of the movie, right? You have to show how unstoppable they are, so that when the predator is just able to knock them off one by one pretty easily. Yeah, that it's that much more impressive that he's that much more of a or it's that much more of a threat. But I'm just curious because there's there's a yeah, the predator I, seems to only want to go after the Americans. <laughs> that is true because he skins the other team that was in there, but it doesn't right. seem like he's skinning skin anybody else. Uh, I mean, the predator is anti-American. <laughs> Maybe he is. He's a Russian spy. Actually, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, so if we if we he's had, the Winter Soldier. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, really I just figured it out. <laughs> I was going to say, if we didn't see that spaceship in the opening of the movie, maybe we could have, you know, maybe Not it wouldn't have been clear. See, there's maybe that's the reason why that shot needed to be in there, and we were bragging on it, but now somebody could have been concerned that it was the Winter Soldier. They put, him, they put the Predator in a tube, and then when they wake him up, they read from a book, and, you know... They write the keywords. The they have to get the right sequence. Um I just rewatched that recently, so it's fresh in my head. I'm trying to remember what the words were. I was I just going to say, if you remembered the sequence, I'd be really impressed. No, I, I can't even remember a single word. Um, and that wasn't Winter Soldier. That was Civil War, I think, right? Yeah, that was in Civil War. Yeah, that was in Civil War. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's a hunter, right? He hunts for sport. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't hunt, but I, I've, I have family members who hunt. And I, I don't think you, like, kill the whole herd, you know? You want a you want a trophy? You peel one off from the herd, and you get your trophy. And you don't want to kill every. You want to make sure there's you know. So the next time you come back for the next season and hunt, you want to make sure they're up there. That's fair. I'm granted, there are no women. There's one woman. I shouldn't I'm, say no women. There's one. But I'm just upset that he seems to be anti- the predator seems to be anti-American. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I can't disagree. I mean, I, I don't think he kills any non-Americans. We not that I can think of. No. Um, in Predator 2, I will say he he sticks to the gangs, so he, he tends to only kill gang members. So, although if you believe her story, which I'm sure is true, then right yeah. there are non-Americans at least in the past that had been hunted by the Predator. Yeah, but she makes it sound like he only killed like the, like the men would go out to try to fight it and it would kill the men of the the village or whatever. Yeah, so but yeah, that it seems like it only kills like you know. Threats. What it perceives as... Yeah, because then I was also like... They jumped to the conclusion that if you're not carrying a weapon, it won't shoot you. Yeah. 
but it'll still kill you. It just won't shoot you. It'll like you know, it, it like matches weapons or whatever. Like so if I'm, you're if you're barehanded, it'll kill you with a knife. It, if you have a gun, it'll shoot you. Predator is effectively, and I, I know you've said that you don't remember this short story that I remember in every standardized test from when we were in school. Are you going to talk about the most dangerous game? Yes, or? General Zaroff. So, I know, I know of it. I've just yeah. never read it. So the that that's that's to me what when I was watching this, some said, yeah, the, the Predator is the alien version of General Zaroff and the most dangerous game. Is that what he does? He'll only kill you with like a knife or whatever. Like, or no, he, he shoots them, right? Yeah, he, he. I mean, General Zaroff is not as advanced as the Predator, so it General Zaroff has to use guns right. and, and can't, you know, bring himself down to whatever his uh, his game is armed with the way the Predator can do. Yeah, I get that. I, that's my impression is you know because some people he'll just shoot and some people he'll run up on and stab. Like he shoots Blaine. Because Blaine's carrying a giant gun. <laughs> the minigun. But then later when he blows uh, Dylan's arm off, and arm, he has, I guess he still has a gun, but Predator runs up and stabs him, which is just like, why did he do that? But I think I, I think the Predator is just doing whatever he feels like is sporting. Like he's yeah. got some kind of Stakes. honor system that we don't really understand or something. Yeah, yeah but anyway, it's a, Dutch is pissed off at Dylan because it was, it, was, it was a ruse. Yes. It was the only way to get the, uh, the elite team to, to head out and do the job. Which I, I get why he's upset because he was lied to, but, I mean, it worked out okay. Mission accomplished. Yeah, they really wrecked this place, and it's like everything was fine. I get you don't like being manipulated. But. They've got a little bit less ammo, but other than that, they're no worse for wear. Yeah, so they find Anna. He headbutts her and... Or he, he rifle butts her in the head, I should say, not head butts her. Yes, it's a very different thing. Much, much different. He feels bad about it. It's funny. See, you you knew to put her as Anna in my notes all the way up until when you do actually get her name. I have the baggage, <laughs> right? Because Dutch says she's your baggage. It is strange that like he doesn't want to take her. I guess he would rather just let her go because he doesn't want to kill her. It seems that to I me mean, it was he he's so aggravated about being you know duped. That he wants nothing to do with any of it, and he just wants to exit, and doesn't, I guess, view her of enough as a of a threat to his team to be able to slow them down or impact his his escape. So yeah, but then later when she like seemingly escapes, he's all like, concerned about it. He's like, who's watching her? And you know, like, I, I suddenly just, he's worried that she's going to escape. It's like I thought he didn't even want her around. I just took that because once they knew something was out there hunting them, he was afraid that it was some other gorillas, and that. She would then be able to tell him, all right, here, here's where the Americans are at. Okay, I guess that's true. So that's, that's what I took that as, is, is why he cared later when they, they were being hunted. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I didn't think about that. So yeah, so we got another joke. Another Shane Black classic. <laughs> we can't repeat them on this clean podcast. No, we're trying to stay as clean as we can. This one I think is genuinely funny. <laughs> this first joke, I am with, I am 100% with Billy. That's, that's why, why you I like him. Billy, because you have the I, same sense of humor. I have the same taste in jokes, because yeah, this, this one's much better. Than the I, first will, one. I will give you this. There's certainly a theme to his jokes. There is very much a theme. The second one is much better than the first. I will give you that. Yeah, there's actually a joke to it. Yes. Uh, yeah, he laughs, and the Predator records the laugh, and then comes down and that might be my scorpion. Yeah, that might be my favorite predator sequence actually i like the recording the laugh and he says oh yeah i want to use that right and then takes a look and you're right it's slowly building the reveal so i do like that but i kind of like predator vision vision for uh for the dead scorpion yeah although i i I will say the parts of this score i really love but there are certain moments where i feel like they're kind of hitting it on the head a little much like zalon silvestri who's probably most famous for the back to the future music and the moment where the, the predator picks up the scorpion, 
because because the reveal is you see the, like the reptilian kind of a hand and it's supposed yeah. to be like oh it's an alien but the, the score goes like Bap! you know it, it like it hits it way too hard on the head uh that's this, probably this, fair this the score does that a few too many times where i mean that's kind of what he does like super like back to the back to the future music is kind of like that too but it's, it's almost too cartoony it's like you don't tell me to be shocked you know I'll decide if I'm being shocked. It's just like it's it's kind of leading you a little too much. Generally, I like the music in this movie a lot. For the but. most part, I do. I, I, there's a couple of sequences, and they use it in the final one where it just I, I, I'm not sure. It probably is sampling something that's used in Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan. In particular, the end c- scene with Dutch. I just I I don't know why I didn't like that, but I, I didn't. I really? Just, yeah. Oh, I like that theme. I'm I'm not sure why. I'm, I mean, it's supposed. To, I think it's supposed to evoke the kind of like, taps. You know? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. And I just I don't feel like it fits with the the overall feeling of the movie. Huh. Okay. And, and maybe it's because I hadn't viewed it as three kind of separate acts with different types of genres. I viewed this almost this entire sequence of more of a slasher type movie. And that music just doesn't fit with it for me. See, I, I, I really like that music. Well, I think it only comes up twice, right? It's twice. one when Mac is mourning Blaine after, yep. and then at the end. And, uh, I mean, since we've decided to just jump around. I, I, Let's just talk about the end. I, I really like the fact that the ending is very mournful. It's not that like heroic or like victorious. Yeah, victorious because mm. you know that I, I, the music does kind of sound like taps. It's like it's funereal or like you know it's very mournful and and also like militaristic. It's like it's like something you'd hear at a military funeral. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm I don't know if it's Band of Brothers, but but one of the you know World War II, recent World War Two. I say recent. Band of Brothers been out a while, <laughs> right. but you get my point. We're not talking John Wayne World no, War II I, movies. I 100 percent understand what you're saying, but yeah. I think the reason why that kind of a movie or you know a World War II movie would have music like that is because it it all stems from actual military music. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's it's taps. It's just a different. It's kind of a take on taps. That's fair. You know, so they uh, they begin their march, and this is where you get uh, for me why this this episode would be perfect for one to kind of skip around and not do scene by scene because you got here for a while now just a lot of different spots where they'll stop and start in the jungle basically for for the remainder of the movie yeah i do like and i did uh you know it's hard to take notes in this movie for a couple of reasons we were talking about it before we started but one of the reasons being uh you know doesn't this movie doesn't have scenes like distinct scenes it's kind of one long trek yep there and then there's a battle and then one long trek back and their trek back gets interrupted but you know because it's kind of we basically it's this movie probably takes place across two days do you think and we basically see everything that happens i mean it's skipping over like lengths of time it's not showing us hours of trekking but you get a sense of okay it's really probably walked for a couple hours and now here's a scene where they're right stopping. They're stopping um so yeah it's hard to like uh, you know as many times as i've seen this movie I couldn't tell you what happens next, like which scene is next, because it all does kind of blend together. But I do like the fact that they do all this trekking because it builds tension, you know, or there's a moment where he just stops and it's like, what's got Billy spooked? And, you know, he kind of goes, oh, it was nothing. But he's, he's sensing the predator or whatever makes him worried about it, you know, and you could easily cut that. Nothing actually happens. But, you know, the time that the movie takes to show them traveling and kind of, very very slowly build the tension which i think a lot of action movies nowadays would not do no i like that they do that i mean it's not you know 
you know, we, when you talk about this movie, it's not like, oh, I love the scene where Billy thought he saw something and then said he didn't. It's just like, no one's going to say that's their favorite scene, <laughs> but it really adds to the atmosphere. I, I do think it adds to it, and it also kind of gives, I don't know if it's more dimension or depth to the Predator, but it's kind of just observing its prey at first. Yeah. Because it would be boring. I, not only would the movie not exist, but probably for what the motivation of the Predator is, if you could just mow them all down right there, it wouldn't really be that sporting. Right. Oh, yeah. But it's kind of sensing and setting up for being able to, as Dutch eventually figures out, picking them off one by one. Yeah, and very deliberately. Like, it's not, at no point does it ever kill two people at the same time. The closest probably is Mac and Dylan, but even the two of them are kind of distinct. Like, each one is, he's getting his kill. He's lining up his shot. He wants it to be perfect. Right. You know, like, whatever, again, I don't hunt, but it's, I imagine that's what it's like is, you know, I'd rather wait and get a better shot or whatever. Like that's what he's doing. He wants, you know, he doesn't want to ruin his trophies. No, nope. doesn't want to ruin the trophies and wants to enjoy the moment as morose as that is. Yeah, yeah. I do. Do you think this movie? I never really read anything into it in terms of like a, like some kind of criticism of hunting. I mean, it, even to the point where like you don't really know for sure that's what happened. What's happening? I mean, that's what their speculation is. Yeah, I I don't get that. There's yeah an underlying message yeah, and I criticism. Think, I, don't I don't think, think so. so. I agree. No. But um, so yeah, so they're they're making their way through, and we probably should at least uh, at least get the team members in order as they as they unfortunately start to get picked off. Yeah. So Hawkins is first. That she, uh, is that really a surprise that the <laughs> the writer with the glasses is the first one to go? Yeah. I mean, I, you were asking why he's on on the team. I think the idea is that he's like communications officer or something. Yeah. He's I mean, always I, the one setting up carrying the, the radio. Yeah, yeah, the radio, and then sets up a dish to like connect with the satellite or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, he's the least equipped to deal with the situation. He's certainly not a bodybuilder like uh, a number of other ones on this team. Yeah, I do kind of like that uh, during the battle earlier, him and uh, uh, Pancho are a team because it's like, boy, we're the only like non-giant people on this team. We got to stick together. I was going to say, I do like how they, they pair them off. It's like, well, wait a minute. That's not fair. Shouldn't you put one of the weaker guys with one of the bodybuilders? <laughs> that's true, yeah. Like as a big brother kind of a thing. Exactly. But that's, yeah, it's it's Pancho and and and, uh, and uh, Hawkins who pair off. Uh, it is kind of a bummer that uh, Hawkins' death is kind of an afterthought. Like, he's dead, and I I like the moment where Arnold sees the remains like that's a nice acting moment for Arnold and like stuff like that. I always think people who say Arnold is not a good actor. Like I could point to all kinds of scenes that say otherwise. And that's one of them is just, he's seeing, he's like, you can see the horror in his face. Like he's seeing this like massive, you know, there's like guts and all kinds of stuff. Right. But it's not a body. It's just like, you know, remnants. Yeah. And his face, like you can see he's, he's horrified, but he's also, he has to keep it together because he's a leader and, He's asking. He still has to ask questions. Like, like you know, set up a perimeter or whatever. You know, whatever to try he says. And form, right, try and formulate a strategy. I know that moment always stuck out to me. I love that moment. Him reacting to Hawkins' demise. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I certainly would never make the argument that Arnold's a you know great actor, but I I do think that he's an unfairly maligned. Is yeah that it's oh he's just a bodybuilder who says zingers and puns, you know, and a lot of stuff. That's all he's had to do. But he's he's already shown even in movies like this, that he can act. It, it might not be called upon that much. And as we've said, as it kind of got later in his career, you see a little bit more because he doesn't have the same physique anymore and can't do the same stuff. Right. But I, I do I do think you're right. People unfairly malign his acting ability. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was mean. I, yeah, I agree. He's not going to win an Oscar, I don't think, ever. Right. But yeah, he's not. He's people. A lot of people malign his acting, and it's unfair. I agree. So, so anyway, Shane, the, Shane Black can now start uh, start to 
sharpen his pencil and work harder on the last Boy Scout because he's no longer with us. Yeah, and then... Number uh, 56, correct? Yeah, it's 56. And then I will say, because I, I paid close attention, I saw it in the behind the scenes, the, sh- the shot where he's being dragged away by the cloaked Predator. Uh, I saw them filming that with the dumb red, like the, the old Predator. And I paused it and I looked, and I'm 98% sure that that is from that shot. So if there is a, one shot where Jean-Claude Van Damme is in the movie, it's that shot where he's getting dragged away. I'm pretty sure that's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Interesting. Even though he's invisible, like someone right. had to actually hold the foot and drag. So right. if anyone wants to know which shot he's in, that's, that one at least I know, I'm like 99% sure. That's the most likely. Yeah, but they set up a perimeter and they're going to try and find uh, Hawkins' body. And then right away, uh, Blaine's in trouble. He just gets <sighs> shot. Like, yep. <laughs> Predator's not messing around with Blaine. He's not going to run up and, like, like you the know. Predator sees that gun and says, "Oh, that's a threat. I need to take that out." Yeah, that's what I'm saying. With Hawkins, he ran up and like, I don't, it's not clear what he did. He probably stabbed him and just like dragged him away. Right. He's nerdy looking writer with glasses. Yeah. Oh, I, the threat level is a little bit lower. I can get a little bit closer for this kill. Yeah, I'm gonna kill him with my hands. Whereas Blaine's, like, I'm gonna stay as far away as possible. I'm gonna shoot him from this tree. <laughs> Sniper shot. Fully cloaked sniper shot. Yeah, it is kind of uh, a shocking moment. Like even still, like because he sees like a, some kind of rodent, you think it's gonna be one of those things where it's like, oh, what a fake out. But immediately they go from the fake out to the real deal. And just like, whoa, you know. Even still, right. it kind of, it always kind of takes me off guard a little bit. Um, yeah, and then that goes right into the the mowing down the jungle sequence. Yeah, and you know the. Uh Jesse uh, Jesse Ventura had you know by far and away the best lines, yeah. and in some ways I kind I kind of wished he had not been knocked out as as soon in this movie as yeah. he was. Uh, I I would have liked one one more line from the body before before his demise. Yeah, I mean I think maybe it was like he's really depicted as like the toughest like. He's got. He doesn't have time to bleed, you know. Like he's. he's we skipped over that one. It, it's so great. He's so tough, you know. I think, you know, I you you want to bleed. I'm kind of surprised he wasn't the first one to go because it's like as a writer, I I can see why you'd want to take him out to show the seriousness of the situation. It's like even the 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 most badass dude in that, the group. That that is true. And Predator that, takes him out like he's nothing. Yeah, and and that that probably I couldn't criticize that, other than just because I love the lines that he's given, that's my major criticism is I miss it more yeah. so than it's not necessarily the wrong choice to take him out early. I was actually wondering, you know, now that he's gone, one last chance to talk about Jesse Ventura, but I was actually wondering if he was contributing to some of those lines because some of them do have a little bit of a professional wrestling quality to them. I mean, sexual Tyrannosaurus seems like a professional wrestling thing to say, like, you know, I or, or a kind of time to bleed. It's I almost like yeah, the, I, a thing you'd see, you, you would imagine like Mean Gene standing yeah. next to him. <laughs> You you hit the nail right on the head. So you're you're right in that it felt like that. I have no idea whether or not he contributed, but it completely fits with at the time the WWF persona. A hundred percent, those lines could have easily been said, as you said, with a microphone and Mean Gene Okerlund right next to you. Yeah, and yet it doesn't seem fake. Like he still feels like a real guy, like a real member of this team. So I was saying, it's not this movie isn't the cartoony thing like Commando. He is as far as. You know, he, he's the character who is the most cartoony. Yeah, but it's not. They don't push it too far no. to undermine like the reality. He no. still feels like a real guy. I, I mean, I could see him being a Navy SEAL and just being that right. kind of over the top. I, it's just 
on the edge yeah, of going over the cliff. It is right on the edge. And Jesse Ventura was a Navy SEAL, yeah. so so I mean, I, he probably I, was like that when was he was in the say, military. I could see some of that, that there's at least a little bit. I mean, again, when it's Hollywood and it's a movie, you, you play it up and you amplify. But I definitely, that's very believable that that could have really been him. Yeah. And I, w- I will say, uh, this is Jesse Ventura's first movie. And he holds his own. Like, it doesn't feel like it's his first movie. I mean, granted, he got a lot of training, you know, acting. So this, this, know, film, this film before The Running Man? Yeah, this is before The Running Man. Okay. I mean, they were released in the same year, so I didn't know that this was uh, filmed before The Running Man. Well, keep in mind, this was filmed in 86, and then they had to go, you know, basically they uh, put together yeah. a cut with a garbage you know, creature, and they had to go back and reshoot a bunch. I think the reshoots, only they only brought back Arnold and possibly Richard Chaves. Because uh, there's a few shots. Also, you can kind of tell, like by the foliage. It's one thing that I was kind of looking out for. It's not. It's not that easy to notice. But I think that the first chunk they shot was in Puerto Vallarta, and then they went somewhere else, like more jungly. Because I, uh, uh, boy, I'm blanking on the director's name, John McTiernan. Yeah, John McTiernan was kind of commented that he didn't like like the, the ju- look. Like you know how there's always like vines hanging everywhere. Yeah. That was him putting them up, trying to hide the jungle because he didn't think it looked good and didn't think it was like thick enough. Huh. And then there are some shots. Like there's a shot where uh, Pancho kind of comes around a tree and there's like a big vista and you see like the the valley and all that. Yeah. And I think that's the second location. Gotcha. Which is much more lush and like actually looks like a jungle. Because they comment, like, oh, this stuff's so thick. It makes Cambodia look like Kansas. I just, you've got the last of Jesse's lines. <laughs> um, we just, I, I wish I'd written them all down. We could just go through them. But they're all pretty great. Uh, and yet, if they, hadn't, they had to like put up a whole bunch of stuff and vines and things to make it look thick because it actually wasn't that thick. So anyway, I forget, well, I forget what my point was. But, oh, it was Running Man. So, I mean, Predator did take a long time to film. The Running Man, I think. film and then and get released. And no, The Running Man probably did not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that movie, they, don't, they weren't going back to reshoot and fix things. We talked about that car crash, the, the, the Dino. Dynamo. <laughs> he crashed his car and it's like, well, we're just, we're we're stuck, just with have to, we're stuck with it. We're just going to have to write that right in. Yeah, that's, that feels like a movie that was made in six months. And this yeah. movie took much longer. So, yeah, so, this, is, this is Jesse's first movie. And as you said, um, both the dense, lush jungle as well as the fact that it got cut down. <laughs> yeah, they made it much less dense. Oh, man. That is a, to me, that might be actually my favorite sequence in the movie. I absolutely just get pumped up when they just mow that jungle down. It's amazing. It's an amazing sequence. And also, this is another thing that I was kind of saying, like maybe the movie is poking fun at the at handshake. I think it's also doing it here a little bit because it's such... It's so over the top. It's just gun porn, and it is genuinely awesome. That gun porn is the way to say it. But in the end, they come back, we didn't hit anything. No, it's like, <laughs> accomplished nothing but wasting a lot of ammo. All, yeah, they wasted a lot of ammo and cut down some trees. It's just like all they did is make a clearing so that the Predator could get a yeah, clear shot. I was going to say a clear line of shot or fire. It does turn out they wounded the Predator a little bit, but they don't know that yet. No, with the Mountain Dew that it was bleeding? <laughs> Uh yeah, I think that was, that was like those glow sticks that you like. Oh, is that what I they are? That's, when you, that's what that's. Oh, well, like my my kids have you know the small ones like in their bracelets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what that stuff is. Huh. The glowing. I, for, in my notes, I had it as it, it bleeds Mountain Dew. <laughs> if Mountain Dew glowed that much, I would never drink it. I mean, it kind it it's not too far off. It's but. not that far off, and I do consume it, so I'm sure I've shortened my life expectancy. It does look like a thing from like Nickelodeon or something. That that. Like, oh, if you can't do it on, yeah. on television. Or, or uh, Double Dare. 
That's what it looks like. It looks like something that you might get dumped on you and doubled there. Well, every Nickelodeon show had slime of some kind. I but guess you're right. And you can't do that on television. If you said, I don't know, it got slime. Or yes. doubled there, it was just like, you want to win this prize? Jump <laughs> on that slime. <laughs> Jump into the kiddie pool of slime and rancid hot dogs if you're Krusty the Clown. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How can we afford it? It's rancid. Forgot all about that. But yeah, I, I, I think we should just assume that Nickelodeon just harvested Predator blood for their slime. That's, that's probably that's, fair. Yeah, Blaine's 57, Body Count 57. And <sighs> yep, and as you said, Mac is, is pretty broken up. He's uh, having one last drink and um, ready, ready to go on his rampage. He, he's not quite there yet, but he, he clearly has turned, and he is, I got a one-track mind from here throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, I do have a note here saying, poor Shane Black, no one cares about him anymore. That's <laughs> I true. Did no, comment nobody that. cared about Hawkins. Everyone's mourning about Blaine. I mean, like, granted, it's like, Blaine is going to help them get through this jungle. Hawkins is just like, we don't really need him. No. It's like, Hawkins' death did not affect their chances of survival at all. It's like, well, now Blaine's dead. Oh, no, we're in trouble. Yeah, it's so, so it's sort of, to me, it was, and granted, these are two completely different movies, but I had it of Hawkins is... <laughs> It's sort of like Jeremy Davies in Saving Private Ryan, where he's he he there at least had at least some value where he was their translator. Yeah. But other than that, nobody liked him, and he didn't really bring anything to the table. Whereas opposed to like when Giovanni Ribisi gets killed, he's their medic, right? They they're really broken up in care. Right. Blaine is that equivalent. Where it's, oh man, we we really needed him in that minigun. <laughs> yeah. This is not good for us. No, I think it's definitely true. I mean, everyone, no one ever mentions Hawkins again. It's like he never existed. <laughs> He, I mean, he seemed like the chum character, and he fits that that nobody cares that he's gone. Yes, he was their chum, and now he is chum. Yes. Uh, speaking of uh, translator, I forgot to mention. I wanted to bring it up. Uh, Dylan is a CIA agent. Yes, but he doesn't speak the language. Why is he stationed in Central America? Because they need uh, they need Poncho to translate for Anna. Yeah, that is an excellent question. <laughs> I was realizing this halfway through. He's like, tell her this and this. It's like, wait, aren't you stationed here as a CIA agent? You didn't bother to learn the language. Well, you know he. He was pushing those pencils. That doesn't mean that you're going to actually learn the language. He should have been pushing the pencils learning Spanish instead of whatever he actually did. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because I just finished um, season two, but season one is where it really is revealed, of Narcos on Netflix. And so that, that's actually based on, on reality in, in a book from um, Steve Murphy, the, the DEA agent from the United States. And he actually volunteered to go down to Columbia, and he didn't speak Spanish. Now, he... Picked it up along the way, but it still was never that strong. Where even by season two, where they're finally closing in on Pablo Escobar, he's still telling people down there in Colombia in English because it's basically easier for him. But it, it, well, it's it, also an English language TV show, right? So I'm sure no, that's part of it. No, in terms of no, Narcos oh, really? a TV Narcos show, mostly... it's all subtitled. Oh, other okay. than other than the stuff that's actually spoken in English, I'd say ninety oh. percent of that show is in Spanish and subtitled. I wouldn't have guessed that. I yeah. had no idea. No, okay. I, I mean it's authentic the way it, it should be. Yeah, that that's the primary language. But it's funny that you know he he volunteers to head down to Colombia and doesn't speak the language. Uh, but Dylan's probably even worse because he probably knew he was going there and he. he he needed to at least get a working knowledge of that, of Spanish. Well, and this whole movie is him trying to clean up his mess. Like, I think he's just kind of an incompetent CIA agent. He should have stayed in the army. He, he, he should have stayed as a soldier. <laughs> he, should, that, he should have never put that tie on. He's not a bureaucrat. He's uh, no Jack Ryan. No, that's for sure. <laughs> he is absolutely not. Anyway, yeah, so this is uh, one of the reasons why I really like Billy is there's this moment here where he's scared. He doesn't know. They don't know what attacked him. And Dil- uh, Dylan's dismissing it, saying, ah, there's a couple of guys out there. Yes. It's, it's not. It's nothing. But Billy has this moment because Pancho says, "Like Billy, you're not scared of any man." He's like, 
There's something out there waiting for us, and it ain't no man. I love that line. It is a great line. Like it, it's really, it really sets like the tone of. I think it goes, "We're all gonna die." Like he's awesome. I, I just think he's a really cool character. I, I guess uh, Sonny Landon, who plays plays this guy, was actually kind of a little bit crazy. And there's a story, some trivia saying like the studio had to take out insurance in case he like attacked somebody and they had to hire a bodyguard to protect like other people from him. Like he was just this like madman. That's crazy. I mean, I've heard it where you have to hire, you know, or you take out an insurance because they won't finish the film because they're going into rehab or something. I've never heard one where they might pick a fight with somebody on set. I guess he was just a wild man, but, uh, which is, I I think why he didn't work that much, but I think he's great in this movie. You know, all Every time he does something, I mean, even like little things like you know, in the attack earlier, I think all I his do, moments are really cool. Like, I, I do, just, I do really enjoy his intensity. He does have a yeah. very high intensity level, and it's it, believable. You know, and like Blaine is the cocky kind of like nothing can hurt me, and that's I think maybe why he dies right away. Whereas Sonny, I think, is the that's how you calibrate as an audience. That's how we're calibrating whether how worried we should be. If he's sitting there going, "We're all going to die," it's like they're all going to die. Like you know, he's, he's you're not, right. They do do a good job in the writing of Billy to, to give you that the audience should get concerned because Billy's concerned he, even more so than Dutch. Cause Dutch just seems like he's kind of just, bum- he's more, pre- Billy's more prepared than Dutch is because Dutch seems like he's just kind of feeling around in the dark and kind of bumbling a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's too, he's more concerned about the moment. Like, okay. I mean, set up a perimeter in this and like, he's got to, he's got to figure out the logistics of the team. You know, and he's kind of preoccupied with that. Like, let's just get out of this jungle, and here's what we're going to do. And I think at this point, he's really not convinced yet that that it's not as as Dylan has said it. It's two or three guys. I I, yeah. I love Dylan's li- line about that effing lizard. Yeah, I have that done too. <laughs> it's such a great line. And that and that I mean, yeah. Carl it, it, Carl Weathers is the perfect member of that team to deliver that line. His, the way he delivers that line is so funny. It he's is. It like, makes me laugh. Two or three minutes of most effing lizard. <laughs> So great! He's really funny. Like Carl Weathers is legitimately funny. He's he's a talented actor. Um, but yeah, this is where we got our pig mo- uh, pig adventure. Which you know, the, here's my question about this pig scene. There's a pig. They set up a perimeter to protect themselves for the night, and it's, it's so, flares get set off, and it turns out it's because a, a boar or something ran in. John, John Locke's boar ran in. <laughs> That's, That's right. all I can think of. Uh, which I don't know if there are boars in Central America, but it seemed like a leap. But I, don't I, know. I didn't take the time to look it up either. I'm no expert on that either. But uh, yeah, and then Mac thinks it's the creature and stabs it like a million times. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I, it's it's simultaneously funny and really kind of you know touching because he wants his revenge. Like he's really he's really stabbing this pig. Yeah, and they kind of poke fun of him. But but okay. But then they go back and Blaine's body has been taken. So my question is: Did the predator send this pig in, or did it just? coincidentally happened and the predator took advantage of it uh, that's a good question uh for the audience as well at, at bad puns podcast on twitter to me i think it's just coincidental it's a little bit a little bit much but to keep the pacing uh I, i'm fine with it that it, it uh, to me it's a coincidence i don't i don't think the predator can control animals if that's what you're getting at well i don't think it controls animals maybe it went and like got a pig and just like gave it the nudge it in the behind and sent it in you know to, to cause a distraction well, it did cause a distraction, as you said, Mac. Mac went uh, all berserker, Wolverine berserker on it. Yeah, but really, this is the moment where where uh, where Dutch kind of realizes because he's like, "Oh, it's using the trees," and he realizes this is something that they've never dealt with before. Right. So they're gonna make their stand, and they make a trap for the predator. Yes, which uh, 
is Boy Scout BS, and and you get some Arnold face <laughs> yeah. when that Boy Scout BS is being made as well, at least by my notes. Yeah, I, I, these montages like preparing for like battle or setting traps, like there's a lot of those because obviously some later when it's just mono uh, alien, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think th- these are really well done. Where you know, and he's just like. Stop complaining and pitching or whatever he says to Dylan because yeah. he's kind of saying... He's yeah. doing nothing except for, you know, kind of in the peanut gallery laughing and complaining. But it's the the plan does work briefly because they set up a, like a like an Ewok net, <laughs> you know, like something that an Ewok... A tiger trap? Yeah, yeah. Or Dr. What's the guy from the most dangerous game? What's the General Zarov. General Zarov. Why did I think it was a doctor or something? Uh, the island of Dr. Moreau? Maybe. Maybe that was later in life. He got his doctorate. <laughs> Dr. Zarov, please. Um, but it is, yeah, it is that kind of a thing. It's like a, just a big net that they make, yes. you know? But it works. Like the Predator... Predator well, falls into the trap. Yeah, and well, I, I do like the moment where uh, nothing's happening. Dylan's like, what's next? You're going to put out some cheese? And Dutch realizes, like, oh, I guess he's going to go out and act as bait. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they catch the predator, but it just blasts its way out with his like cannon or whatever. But it's like I kind of like that. Like, oh, it kind of worked. <laughs> it it did. They just underestimated the weapon that the predator had and how easily it could fire away and get out. Yeah, it just like I mean, it, it is kind of like Return of the Jedi, or instead of R two D two cutting the thing, <laughs> he blasts his way. His cannon cuts him free. Um, yeah, and then what happens next? It's, it's hard because it does kind of all. Well, you've got Poncho is... Uh, oh, he is, gets hit with the log. Right, right. is worse for wear now. That's and, the part And I this forget. is where Mac just... <laughs> Mac goes crazy chasing after the Predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, That's right. And then Dylan says he's going to chase after him. Dutch, despite not not being happy with Dylan, tries to talk him out of it, which I'm, I'm not sure about that. If I'm Dutch, I think I, I just... I let him go. Well, Dutch was going to go after him, and Dylan volunteers. Yeah. Um, I do like the way this movie kind of... You know, they all kind of end up pulling together in the end. I think a lot of other movies would have just painted Dylan as a villain. His name was Dylan. It rhymes with villain, so... It could uh, be. Uh, <laughs> I do like that they try and give him a redemption track. Yeah, well, I think once he sees the Predator, because when, when the Predator escapes from the net, uh, there's a brief moment where it, like, decloaks and Dylan sees it. And he kind of... It's like, okay, there's no denying it now, so... Yes, I've seen it with my own eyes. And I think we may have missed it, but it's before here that we get the signature line, right? That oh, and if, if, it, if it bleeds, he can, we can kill it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Do you not like that? From no, your, I, from no, your I, expression, I wasn't sure if that's a line that you kind of like. Yeah, no, yeah, my like, expression was just that I was upset that we we skipped it. That yeah. We forgot about it. No, it's a great line. If it bleeds, we can kill it. It's an amazing line. I mean, it's it. I think that's the line that leads right into the the preparing to yeah, trap it. The boy, the Boy Scout BS. Yeah. No, it's uh, that line is great. I'm I'm just annoyed because you know we're. In our interest of being a looser podcast and not being so strict about going through, we're, we're missing important things now. Well, I remembered it, so we, we definitely have acknowledged that uh, it oh, yeah. is there and important. That look was me being upset with myself for forgetting about it. So we get, uh, as you said, the frantic chase with Mac and the realization that you've had that uh, there's a connection between... Yeah, I'm going to forget the name of the song. Long now. Tall Sally. Long Tall Sally. Not Long Tail Sally, which I called it multiple no. times. Um, and so you get Bill Duke um, catching up to the Predator, and somehow the Predator doesn't sense and doesn't find him, and he's he's able to hide there as Dylan then ghosts again. Mac has to uh, <laughs> yeah. reel him in. Yeah, he just points out the Predator. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> um, this sequence in particular is the sequence that I most remember as a kid. Well, I can see why. Because, I mean, 
I saw this movie way too young, and like this stuff in this sequence really made an impression on me. Because let, let me ask you this: Did you see this in theaters? No, no. But, but I, I definitely remember seeing it on video shortly after. I, I'll bet I was ten. So I bet in like eighty nine I saw it. It's funny. So you and I have you know have similar tastes in movies, not identical, but similar tastes in movies and TV. It it's really interesting to me because. I'll go through in when you know when we're wrapping up, kind of what else was happening in that year. But I saw my first R-rated movie the same year, and it was RoboCop. RoboCop comes out this year in '87. Well. Is when yeah. you saw it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this I'm almost positive this is the first R-rated movie I saw. Actually, the Blues Brothers is rated R, and I loved the Blues, Blues Brothers as a kid. But that's a very tame R. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that's rated R, frankly. But it's I mean, definitely that, a lot different of an R rating. That's that's before PG-13 existed. I think it's just because there's cursing. Like, yeah. there's enough cursing that in to 1980 it. they it would have been a PG-13 for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're certainly for violence, this was the most violent movie I saw. Yeah, at age. yeah I'm sure like the dude getting run over in RoboCop and just like liquefying. That must have made a similar impression on you as this scene made on me. Because in particular, it was Dylan getting his arm shot off. Yeah. And the trigger it's, finger still twitching and the it, gun is still firing as the, gu- as the gun falls. To yes. The it, it's, it's so memorable, but it's so ridiculous, too, when I really think about it. Really? Oh, I, yes. You don't think that's exciting? Like, like, you know, nerve endings keep twitching when you die or when Maybe. things limbs I, get cut off. I, don't, I think Mythbusters, well, I don't know how they would prove that. <laughs> yeah, that would be a tough that. But I that would be one hell of an episode. I cannot imagine that that's true. That said, in this type of genre and movie, it, I mean, it fits. It fits perfectly. Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing as morbid as it is. If anyone knows whether or not that would actually happen, and could Please write into let the us Twitter uh, at, at Bad Puns Podcast. podcast. Yes. Um, no, I, I think I. I don't think that's unbelievable. I. I, I feel like that you know because you see like I don't know. What movie was it? Or was it like Six Feet Under, under or something? The idea of like a body is still twitching in, the her- in a hearse or something like that? I'm not going to say that there there isn't some, as you said, with the, the nerves. But for it to be able to be firing a weapon, there's just no way. But I'm saying if 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 it's twitching and the finger is on the trigger, it's, it makes it... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a memorable image for yes, sure. Yes, no, for the, the movie... The I, arm I, firing and the... Yes. Or the arm falling and the gun is still firing. Uh, and I would have guessed when you said impressionable, that's immediately what I would have thought of. Oh, is, yeah. is what you like could never get out of your head as a 9, 10, or 11-year-old, whatever you were. Yeah, I was probably 10 and, like, yeah, nightmares. <laughs> it, was, it was really, really... It was by far the most violent thing I'd ever seen at yeah. that age. Like, I, I don't even think I had seen, like... Movies where guys would like just get like squibbed and shot, like you know, that would have been shocking to me at that age. But uh, yeah, that arm coming off. I mean, Dylan or not Dylan, uh, Max head exploding like a cantaloupe too. That they, one's really brutal. Yeah, they they both they both get brutal deaths. I really like the sequence. Yeah, because there are uh, well, as soon as I was about to say the body counts, my tablet uh, went to sleep. So thanks, tablet. Microsoft Surface, don't buy it. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so they're fifty-eight and fifty-nine, uh, and now I the surface threw off threw off my whole train of thought. Now, oh, so <laughs> Microsoft, please sponsor our show. <laughs> What's funny is I think on an earlier episode you were praising it, so I'm I'm not sure why now you're. I was just about it. to say no. The conversation was. Uh, you because you, you're still taking your notes longhand, and I was saying like, no, nah, just get a tablet. It's so much easier. But I, I didn't specifically say the surface. I just said the tablet. But yeah. uh, I like the way the sequence plays out, where 
uh, Max, get, he's, he's shot in the head. He yep. thinks he's got the jump on the Predator. And, and the Predator's just like walking on the log above him. <laughs> yeah. He'd, I mean, Mac could not be more wrong. Yes. He, thinks, he thinks he's got him like dead to rights. And nope. And uh, I wasn't sure. I mean, he's crawling along the ground underneath the log. I'm not sure what damage he thought he was going to be able to do either. Well, I th- he wanted to sneak up on the Predator. I mean, I'm, part of me kind of feels like when you're watching it, it's like you can see the Predator and you've got a gun to shoot at it. Maybe you'll kill it. I don't know. I mean, but I think I think they're just worried that they're going to give away their position, and it could be. they think this thing is really powerful, and they don't really know. Like they're they want to be sure. Yeah. They don't want to. You know, if if they shoot and miss, they're dead. So I kind of get it. But if they're going to like flank it or something. Yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, the predator's literally standing over him. Just yes. Blam! Right, just blows a hole. <laughs> it's in like his point head. blank. That's what my point is. Is that yeah. he's so close and doesn't realize it. Yeah, but the the part that I like is when I see you. <laughs> I like that they're, they're actually it's funny because when Dylan shows up and you hear Mac whisper over here, and I'm to this day I'm not sure if that's Mac actually whispering it or if it's the predator like trying to lure him out. No, I, and when when I watched it, I haven't seen this movie as many times. That's what I thought it was. I it's thought it was the predator. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's kind of I like the idea that he like records these things and it's almost like a duck call or he's like using it to like yeah. in his hunting to try to draw out his that's, prey. Uh, that's a good analogy for that. Yeah, um, but anyway, the part I like about the sequence is when Dylan finally sees Max that he's dead. And there's a shot that like zooms in on him and like it does like it goes to like a Dutch angle and like the kind of like rolls like you know, as he sees him and then the whole rest of this sequence is on an angle including his arm falling and all that. Um, it's a little detail that you know having seen it this many times it's one thing that I noticed because yeah. I, I love the shot of I don't know there's something about that camera shot of the ro- like rolling to the side it's like showing that he's like he's off kilter or whatever yeah, he's, he's disoriented yeah and then the it, the predator like runs up on him first he shoots his arm off. And then as he's trying to get the, get the other gun with his one remaining arm, trying to get the other gun, he, he can't get it. Nope. Predator runs up on him and stabs him. Ah, uh, Dylan, you yeah. were overmatched. He was. Well, at least he 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 redeemed himself. He didn't go out the villain. He went out at least trying to do something. Yes. He accomplished nothing, but he tried. He accomplished nothing, and uh, from his shrieking, Billy, I'm not sure why Billy just decides he's. This is why he's gonna. That's what motivates him to make his last stand. Well, that's also why I really like Billy is this moment where he, he stops in the log and he's going to make a stand. Uh, yeah, it's not really clear, but I like that. I like that because even, even uh, Dutch is just like, Billy, what are you doing? And then he, he doesn't have time to like argue with him. He just goes. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, there's like a ritualist, ritualistic thing where he yeah, cuts his, his own chest open and, and like trying know, to draw, draw it. I, th- I feel like He's decided, I mean, it's a couple of different things, I think. It could be that he's just decided, I'm not going to make it out of this. I'm going to go out fighting. I'm not going to go out running. Uh, and I think also it's possibly to try to buy the rest of them some time because this log is the only way across this ravine. And so maybe he feels like he could delay the predator or whatever. Um, and some of it, I think, is just he's a badass. <laughs> he's just like, I'm going to, you know, I think, hey, bring it. I think all those things combined, you're probably right. I, I do like the concept that he's just made the decision i'm i'm not going to be able to outrun it and guns aren't working so you know what i'm going to try and see if it it's overestimating its hand-to-hand ability and i'm i'm going to try something different i do like that well and and maybe it's like this is the best this is this fighting here is my best chance like i'm gonna fight in this log it's it's almost like a like a video game it's like you can only move in one plane or whatever like it can't get around me i know i can like you know right it's got to come straight at me or i've got to go straight at it so this is where i'll try and make it and unfortunately (laughs) billy does not make (laughs) make it very 
long. Yeah, I mean, I, it's pretty. You don't see him die, but it's pretty clear. But he's gone. The funny thing is, like he he's gonna make his stand. You hear him scream, and then immediately the predator's in the tree. It, like in like two seconds, the predator gets in a tree next to the rest of them. Like, yeah. So that's what the, one of the things I was gonna ask you, since you you know really know these this movie really really well, is it really speeds up the the kind of killing process to get rid of the rest of the team to get it to mano a mano like yeah. really quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, these last these last four happen really quickly. Yeah, because yeah, I, I that's it's, what I'm it's, saying is from when Blaine's body disappears. I mean, it's it's pretty rapid that the rest of the team unravels. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, yeah, it, it's Mac, then then uh, Dylan, Dylan, and then uh, then Billy. Billy, then Poncho. Right. Yeah, because Poncho takes it in the head. Like you know, he he. I don't even know why they bother with like the whole like. He's injured. Will he make it out? Like, he didn't really stand a chance. He didn't. I think it was just to further split the team up is the only reason why I think they did it. Yeah, or just to give them another, like, handicap where they got to, right. like, you know, take an injured man or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it is accelerated, but I think, you know, I I, I like the fact, because, you know, I think a lot of this movie is building, building, building tension. And then you have to have the big release. And I think a lot of it is just like, okay, it's built up tension here. It's like the now it's just going crazy and attacking. And you know, I don't mind it. You think it's too much, too soon? I, it it feels like it's a lot compressed in a in a short period of time. Particularly that if it really is, as I get the impression from the earlier ones that it's like trying to savor kind of the moment. Yeah. And and pick them off. That this is this is almost like it's at war as opposed to it being a hunter. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think maybe it just doesn't want... It, they're getting away, and it's just like, I don't have time to you know mess around with it anymore. If, just, if I don't do this quick, they're going to get away. I think that might be part of it. It could be. The Predator's viewing as a missed opportunity if he doesn't accelerate his timeline. Well, I mean, in term, just in terms of the filmmaking, not even think, th- talking about like the Predator's like thought process, I think... This is going to sound like a weird comparison, but I'm right now I'm thinking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> but, like... Well, let me explain. Because, like... The last sequence, or you know, all those like spaghetti westerns, there there always be a final showdown, and the final showdown, in particular in that movie, is just minutes and minutes and minutes of just dudes staring at each other and nothing. It's just music and just tension, tension, tension. When are they going to draw their guns? I mean, it takes forever in those movies, but I think that's part of the reason why it's awesome. And then they finally draw their guns, and the violence happens in an instant. It's not like you know, there's some westerns like The Wild Bunch or whatever. Guys get shot and they fall down in slow motion. And it's like the violence is drawn out. Not not in those old spaghetti westerns. The violence is real quick. It's the build up that takes forever. And I think that yeah. I think that's kind of what they're going for. Is that's what I was saying. Like oh, there was all this build up of tension, and then the release is really really quick. It's just like yeah. whoa, things are happening. Holy crap! You're probably you're probably right. I I I, I, can, I, I can I can see why you think it'd be it's too much like too quick. But. I I don't think that it's something that ruins the movie, but it just it really is stark. Where all of a sudden yeah. the, the the team is is entirely wiped out and you're then getting dutch save saving anna with may, maybe <laughs> yeah, to me the this line we cannot skip no we cannot forget this line it's impossible yeah the, him going run get to the chopper it's i mean it's one of the most memorable lines he's ever given so for me in some ways the how it became more memorable because again this isn't a movie that i saw a ton yeah. but when and i think it was scott van pelt who you know was on sports center i mean there's a bunch he used it all the time and did his own Arnold voice for oh, you know, for for a baseball yeah for a baseball highlight which is I mean it's fantastic <laughs> yeah. and to me 
I, I wound up remembering that line, you know, because this movie I hadn't watched a ton, more because of that, get to the chopper, each time there was a high line with somebody, like, turning a double play. Yeah. And I would say probably even more so, uh, the, the other lines that I noted that are so memorable is mainly because the Arnold soundboard. I would have to say that if it, if it wasn't for the Arnold soundboard, th- this is the one that by far and away would be the most remembered from this movie yeah from this movie i mean he's not doing his usual quippy stuff i mean you gotta stick around if it bleeds you can kill it and this yeah otherwise it's not i mean he's not really most of his dialogue is very like instructional just you know give me a perimeter of this and right. you set up set up uh you know, flares or whatever it's very like military commands it's not yeah he's not really talking about anything otherwise yeah his dialogue isn't fun it's what i was saying like, he's very reserved in this movie he's much more of a realistic character yeah he Non-cartoon is the best way, and you've, you've already summed it up. And, and from this point forward, uh, it's almost silent. Almost. Other than his Tarzan, Tarzan yell. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's... I, by the way, I'm not a fan of that. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorite parts of the really? movie. Really? I never would have guessed that. I love that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, how could you not like that? I, mean, I think it's so they, cool. Because they literally then have him swinging on a vine like Tarzan. <laughs> that's true. But he doesn't, it's not a Tarzan yell. He doesn't go, oh, he just, he just, it's just a big it like, is, guttural it, it, it's scream. It's a guttural primal scream, but I, I, for some reason, I could not get Tarzan on my head. Maybe it's the setting, and that's the reason why. Maybe. So yeah, it was it, one of my least favorite parts. And it is very primal, the rest of this movie. Like, he's going back to the bows and arrows, and it's, yeah. you know, it's a very, like, you know. You know it's interesting this movie is called Predator, because it's just like, it, I, think, I think a lot of this movie preys on the, preys on, huh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns. <laughs> That's right. Fun number two. Uh, but no, but it, it, I think it does kind of, it, it kind of, I'm trying to think of another word but pray now. <laughs> I can't think of one. <laughs> it connects to our, like, you know, a kind of like an innate human fear of, like, losing our place at the top of the food chain. It's like, yeah. you know, it's called Predator, and he is the prey, and, you know, the fact that it, the whole rest of this movie is very primal like that, it's almost, it, it, it does kind of feel like, you know, it's animalistic in a way, uh, you know. So I like that. I like that primal scream. I think it fits. All right. So do you, do you like the, I don't know how believable it is, although I think they might have done a Mythbusters proving or disproving the, um, the mud, which I'm, I'm pretty sure looked like clay when it was dried. I'm not sure, you know, what, what type of substance they used. Yeah. So, so you, do you like that as the, the explanation of why the Predator can't find them? It is a little questionable i have to admit it's i mean i, I, I mean, don't, you, I don't have a problem you have, to, you have to come up with something and right. so I, I at least give him credit that in the setting that it's in it's something that would be in abundance and it would make sense that he would stumble upon it so i think it's well written in that aspect right and you can't have it where the predator can just find him because there's only one of them he has no weapons there's no way he'd be able to survive if you didn't give him some camo yeah well, the thing is i don't mind the idea that the mud blocks his like you know, it cools him in a black. It, it, he doesn't show up on thermal imaging because he's it, it's cold mud or whatever. Yeah, that I'm fine with. The part that I am not, I don't really buy, is the fact that that's the only way the predator can see. Because like, if that was the case, he how would, how does he see all their trip wires and all that? That wouldn't show up. It's you know, it's funny because we've been talking a lot about Predator Two. Predator Two actually does a bet. I think a better job. There's a scene where uh, who was I just who's in Predator Two? I was just Danny saying. Glover. No. Uh, uh, other guy boy my brain does not remember names in the slightest we were just talking about it two hours ago crazy guy 
crazy oh, actor Gary Busey. Gary Busey. It's like one of the most famous actors in the world. I can't remember anybody's names. So <laughs> Gary Busey in that in, in Predator Two. I know it's like a serious problem. My I cannot remember names. Um, Gary Busey in Predator Two. He's like he has this whole plan to take down the Predator where they wear like these suits that block their thermal. Like they basically makes them invisible on thermal. Yeah. Uh, and then the Predator just has multiple other like vision, vision. modes. It's just like, oh, now I he, can see you in ultraviolet or so whatever he, it is. Yeah, he just laughs at Gary Busey and kills him. So yeah, basically just... kills all Gary Busey's guys. Like, pff, you know, which is way more believable to me. The idea that this like spacefaring alien can only, you know, his visor can only see in like a very narrow spectrum of yeah. like infrared. So yeah, but do you think that the reason why they had that in this one was you know budget concerns that they couldn't necessarily have? All of so show all of the different types of predator vision, if you will. No, they did in Predator Two. I don't think that movie was that much of a bigger budget. It was bigger, but I think it was just they they needed to have some way, like you said, to even the even give him the camouflage so that he could take on the predator. Sort of always shooting Arnold in the shoulder whenever he has to have the <laughs> right. final showdown fight to make it even. It even happens here. He gets shot, and that's when he runs, yells, "Run!" He gets the chopper, but he, it turns out I guess he's fine. I don't know. Yeah, that's a little weird, also. He gets shot. Like every other character who gets shot by the Predator is just instantly dead. <laughs> he just he basically bounces off him. He just sticks out his chest and well, boing, he, it just bounces up. He's, you know, he's he gets in, knocked down. It's a little bit of John Matrix. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think stuff like that is a little... like They're really trying to bend over backwards to fit, you know, to, to make it plausible that he'd survive this. Um, honestly, I mean, the fact that it's Arnold, you don't want to see... You know, you want to see Arnold win the day. But I could very easily see a version of this movie, or the Predator wins, yeah, where Absolutely. just everyone just gets wiped out, like you yeah. know, like more of a horror movie ending or yeah. whatever. And that it survives, and that's how you set up the sequel: is that some other team is poor team is sent down. Maybe this time it's John Matrix, but John Matrix actually wins. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, nothing can beat John Matrix. No, so that, that's how my powerful. point. That so the the there would be a false in my my view. There's this false sense of security that the Predator has, right? But that movie's over. That's like a ten minute movie. It's like it's a like a YouTube video that Matrix just mows that thing down in no time. Yeah, Matrix doesn't need mud to camouflage himself. No. He would just walk out. I mean, he would basically he would be Billy. He'd be doing what Billy does, except he would successfully. Just, yeah, he would do it. He would take it down. <laughs> he'd just punch it or something. He'd punch it and probably impale it on this on the same table leg that Bill Duke gets impaled in Commando. That's right. He just needs a tree branch because yeah. in that world, blunt objects are just murderous. All you have to do is gently. Press it against the predator, and it'll it'll pierce him immediately. Or or maybe Matrix would force the predator to eat one of Chenny's sandwiches, and and that would kill the predator because <laughs> you don't want to know what's in those sandwiches. Uh, yeah, but, but uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I I it's not the mud that bothers me. It's just the I don't I don't buy that the predator would have this limited vision. Yeah. but you and just I, have to accept it. I guess. Yeah, and I think that's a, a fair criticism too because it has. This huge—I don't even know what plasma cannon or whatever it is that it uses—and yeah. it's just firing wildly into the uh, into the trees, looking for for. Um, I almost said Matrix, <laughs> looking for Dutch, right? And it's it's almost doing. There's that one sequence. It does about as much damage to the forest as the team did yeah. with the minigun. I wonder if that's deliberate because I definitely had a note about that saying, like, yeah. yeah it, I think it, it bookended and was intentional. But like Dutch has turned the tables on the Predator in that. You know, the reason why the Predator was so dangerous to them is because it was invisible and they didn't know where it was, whereas now he's the invisible one. Right. And the Predator doesn't know where he is, and he's firing wildly, and it's... Destroying I, I like, the poor trees. Yeah, I like, the, I like that kind of... Uh, the, the mirroring yeah. of it. Um, 
So, I, I mean, this whole sequence, there's not a ton to talk about. They kind of face off, and he sets a trap, another trap, in like a tree log or something. Yeah. Well, the one thing I will notice, I, note is I did like that they got the sequence um, of showing the difference in size and it, yeah. Predator picking up Arnold. I, anytime you can do that and make that uh, any kind of threat, to you know, I don't know what's Arnold six four. I, I think he's six three or six four. Yeah, it's probably six three. I don't know. Um, so I, I did enjoy that of it, it picking him up and and showing the disparity in, in how menacing and threatening the predator is. Yeah, and Kevin Peter Hall. I keep forgetting his yeah, middle name. It's Kevin Peter Hall. I at least can remember his first and last name. Of That's course. pretty good for me. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's true. His name is Kevin. But uh, uh, yeah, he's seven two. I think so. And he's oh, wow. I think he's also on like some kind of like. Lifts Silks or something, yeah, you know, something in in the suit that makes them bigger. So the predator, I think the predator is like eight feet tall. Like, is that really, what it's supposed to be? Yeah. Wow. So the predator and Chewbacca are about the same size. <laughs> yeah, I think even Chewbacca might have some trouble against the predator. He could uh, maybe he could tear the predator's arms arms off. I he, mean, he, he, the predator can shoot people's arms off, so the Chewbacca can tear the predator's arms. Oh off man, for I, revenge. I, so I, I like this idea. Where so. Would the predator could the predator exist in the Star Wars universe? There's a question. Since you little a Star Wars fan, we can ask the audience as well at at Puns Podcast on Twitter. But how about for you? Does can the predator exist in the Star Wars universe? One hundred percent. You think so? He could be one of those guys in Empire Strikes Back, the bounty hunters. He could just be standing there next to Boba Fett, a mercenary. I would one hundred percent believe him. Get rid of that like lizard guy, uh, Bosk. I think is his name. <laughs> one of the bounty hunters. Put the Predator in there. He would 100% fit in that scene. Would the, how would the Predator fare against the Jedi? Would, would they make quick work of the Predator? <laughs> I don't know. You're asking me to like write fan fiction. <laughs> uh, is he invisible? Can he do, that's, I think, the thing that... I don't think things really turn invisible in Star Wars. No. Even when there's like a quote-unquote cloaking device, it's just like you're off censored or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's the part I think maybe they wouldn't do in Star Wars. Probably not. Is having someone be invisible. Although, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm trying to think now if there's ever been an invisible, like, a cloaking thing like that. I, I, I like the idea of the Predator in Star Wars for some reason. No, I think he could probably get away with that. I'm serious. Like, put, put him in the, you know, no disintegrations, that scene. <laughs> put him right next to Boba Fett. He'd, he'd look fine. You're right. He wouldn't even think twice. He'd be like, yeah, that looks like a Star Wars guy. Yeah. Uh, I think those mandibles may be a little extreme for Star Wars. They'd scare kids a little bit. So you you did get another eighties eighties line too when the uh, you got a Mister Falcon an ugly Mister Falcon yeah. when the mask comes off which brought a smile to my face. There is a lot of cat and mouse before they actually get to that confrontation that I do like. He, he, yeah, he's swinging around and then he's hiding under a log. And again, it's a, on a slightly smaller scale. I like the fact that there's a lot of a buildup and yeah. they, they take their time to get to it. Um, although, and, and like I said, it's basically a silent sequence. There's no dialogue. It's just him taking on the predator. Um, yeah, until basically the mud then comes off when, when he winds up. I think it's after the sequence where he's underneath the log, I think, is when he falls into the water. And the, the mud unlike, mud it, and tar in the Hollywood world come off really, really easy. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's mud. It would wash off. Tar, tar, yeah. <laughs> tar doesn't wash off. But, yeah, it's mud. It, it would come off. Now, there's a lot of like, individual moments where, yeah, he, there's the moment where the predator's shooting into the trees, and then he swings around, and then he hides around a log, and then... He gets him with an exploding arrow and it starts to bleed. So the, the one thing that annoys me about this sequence is I wish it was more of a silent sequence. There are a few little ADR things that are clearly added just because the studio was worried. Because there's a moment where uh, the, when the Predator can't see him and he walks away and Arnold kind of looks at the mud and the ADR line saying, he couldn't see me. Yeah. Uh, you don't need that. They, and he doesn't, his lips aren't moving. 
And then later when he injures the, the predator and he like follows him into a cave or something, and he's following the blood drips, and he goes, bleed, you bastard. It's just, but it's 80 yard again. And it's just like, man, the, there, we know he's bleeding. You don't have to like lead us by the nose. Yeah. So little things like that annoy me. But yeah, eventually I, they face off. I agree with you 100% on those two is that the dialogue doesn't add anything. No, and, it's, and it, it just it's, almost felt like whether it was the studio or wherever, was, oh, no, we, we need to break up the silence is what it feels like. And no, I don't think you need to. No, it's way more cool if there's no dialogue. Right. It's just a silence. Why, it's like a 20-minute sequence before he finally calls him an ugly MF-er. Yeah, it's like, and to me, it, in, why, why would he be having those conversations? Right? Why, oh, not conversation. Yeah, why would he talk, to, talk himself? to himself? It's, it should be inner dialogue. Because why would you want to say anything that, how do you know the Predator doesn't have super, super hearing? And just saying anything like that, right? Could. Yeah, he's like recording clips of thing people talking. Like he definitely has like something recording, microphone or yeah. You'd think he'd hear they, he would hear them <laughs> muttering to himself. Yes, bleed you bastard! Bleed, just, it, it's just annoying. It's not even it's, a good line either. No, it's just so it's obviously there just to remind the audience that oh, this green stuff you're seeing is blood. Yeah, in case you forgot, that's what that was. In case you forgot, the Mountain Dew is blood. Yeah, I mean that that annoys me. So Dutch, uh, Dutch winds up in this final showdown, finally getting wounded and is making his way back t- towards his trap, gets in his trap. and Well, let's, I want to at least, uh, I don't want to skip over the moment where the Predator, they have the confrontation and he takes off his mask and decides to like remove his weapon, yeah. which I love that moment. We've talked about it a little bit. He, yeah. He's making the decision to do that. So. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he had already won effectively. Yeah, and again, this is the, they get a little fist fight, and then, yes, he, he tries to lead the Predator back to his trap. Uh, yeah, the fist fight doesn't doesn't go very well. No, he really does get he, he gets it handed to him in that fight. Like he does not hold his own at all. It, Dutch does not. No, Dutch. It kind of looks like he gives him the glove slap. And if if the and maybe the predator is laughing, and we just don't know what the laugh sounds. Well, no, we do get the laugh. So yeah, uh, that that's like a recorded laugh. Though. I'm not sure if that's like actually the predator's laugh. Yeah, I, whatever the noise that the predator would make, and we haven't we didn't really talk enough about the sounds that the predator makes. Yeah, it is really good. Because it, it is good and adds a lot to it. And some most of what I remember is that the the sound effect, and I don't I don't know what it is, if it's a real animal that they kind of blend it, because I think that's what Chewbacca is, right? Is they took a couple of different animals and sounds and yeah. blended them together. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it gives it something distinct that it Without using score, it sets the tension really, really well. I'll say I read this on the internet, so I don't know how true it is. <laughs> we th- need to get better sources. I mean, whatever. We're not experts. We're just giving our point of view and it's then true. occasionally repeating things we read on the internet. Um, but uh, what I had seen is that that was not a, any kind of an animal. That was Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime. Really? Yes. The voice of Optimus Prime doing that, like, purring noise. Oh, man. Peter Cullen's awesome, then. Yeah. The professional voice actors, they can do some impressive stuff. But, yeah, I guess. And I think he's also the voice. What the hell are you? <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's Peter Cullen also. Uh, yes. The, you, so you got it. The, the one line that the Predator gets. Yeah. That's, I think that's definitely the Predator speaking. Yeah. That's not him playing it back. That's, that's actually his, the, the creature's voice. Yes, it has figured out how to speak the English language and, and says it. Yeah, but I, I agree. There's a lot of really good sound. And also, like, the weird heartbeat that you hear. He, yeah. He's got, like, a heartbeat. Like, he's got, it's just like... It's almost like a Terminator. It, yes. It's got a weird rhythm to it. I think it's really cool and, like, unsettling. Yeah. Hearing this, like, weird alien heartbeat. So uh, Dutch tries to lure the Predator in, but the 
predator is a predator and sniffs out a trap. Yeah, I love, you can see it noticing and he's kind of like, come on, do it. That's right. This is another memorable line. Yes. We forgot about, um, I, I really like this moment of just, you know, it's fortunate for Dutch that the predators happen to stand underneath his counterweight yeah. to his trap. It's just like, oh, it walked into an un- unplanned trap, but okay. It, it got the, uh, the Acme anvil to the head. Yeah. But it's nice. It's, almost, it's a battle of wits yeah. as much as Braun. I mean, Dutch lost the battle of Braun, so he's got to use his wits. He's yeah, like, D- Dutch really, other than coincidence and circumstance, he lost the battle. Yeah. Only because the predator picked the wrong spot. Yeah, he just unfortunately he he stand he stood on the X on the ground like right. the, the wily code. He exactly. like painted the on the an, Yeah, the animal to the head. Yeah, um, yeah. He kicks his he springs his trap and the counterweight falls on the predator's and head. Crushes crushes the predator. Yeah, I I, I like uh, the his, like pathetic predator moment. Yeah, he decides not to crush it with with a rock. I I like the entire ending sequence, including the laugh. And the countdown is fantastic. Yeah. I really enjoy the countdown. Yeah. Oh, yeah, agreed. The whole thing, you know, and what the hell are you, like we said. It's yeah. just like them kind of having a moment. I mean, he's, the predator is dying and, you know, I don't know if it's really pity or he decides not to finish it off or he's, he's just curious. I, I took it as it's curiosity of kind of what it is. And, yeah. And then I think he... I think Dutch would have finished it off, but then he gets the Jack Slater moment where he he, he recognizes a countdown and then he needs to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, it does take him a while to realize that it's a countdown. I mean, understandably, this weird like right. shape sort of. Yeah, and and that that's the thing too is I like that it gives you a little bit of you know it's some sort of symbol for its language, right? Um, and you know those again, I, I I really like the countdown. I like the laugh. I like every. I think it it sticks the landing, which is tough, or the ending, which is very difficult to do. Yeah, and that laugh is creepy. Yeah. It, actually, I'm not. Sure, maybe it isn't. Maybe that is a, his real laugh because I'm not sure if Billy got that. Because by the end, the predator is just like ha ha. It's ha, a cackle. Ha, ha. It's just, yeah, it's really like it's like an evil. It's like Skeletor or something. Yeah. That that laugh. Um, I one thing I never thought about until this time is why he even needs a countdown. I mean, maybe it has to like power up the explosion or whatever. But it's just like, why give him time to escape? Just don't, don't, you know, there's no need for a countdown. But well, I, it, I just took it since it is kind of I, I viewed it as a self destruct in the suit that right. maybe the predator isn't always in the suit and that is something that it can use and it needs some time to get away from the explosion as well. That's the only reason. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that maybe is a little bit of a stretch, but that's I was giving it for the benefit on that. I guess that makes sense. It's not just a like self destruct. It's not like, just a suicide. Yeah, suicide. Box. No. Yeah. But it could serve other purposes. But in this instance, it couldn't run anywhere, so it was just going to blow. Try to blow Dutch up. Yeah, and then he Dutch runs and manages to take a, a cover just in time or whatever. Of course, and then Thor and. <laughs> Thor up in the chopper sees the green nuclear yeah. mushroom cloud and decides to head toward it. Yeah, that mushroom cloud for eighty standards it looks fine, but it does kind of look like a painting or something. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It a doesn't great, look great. Great effect, but it, it it's good enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of those guys in the chopper. I don't know if he's the pilot or what, but is, is Kevin Bacon, uh, Kevin whatever Hall. What's the middle? Oh, Peter Kevin Hall? Peter, Hall? Peter Hall. Didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's the guy who plays the predator because uh, John Materian wanted. He thought he, he did a really good job, work. and yeah, he wanted to get his face on the screen. Yeah. He's just guy who's like, what is that? I think he only has like one line, but uh, yeah, and the chopper comes down, and we already talked about the kind of mournful, I, I, I like it, you don't, it seems like. I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it fits with the theme of the movie, but I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for do liking you, it. Do you want a more victorious moment? Do you want him to be like, yeah, I killed that alien, <laughs> you know? like what, what do you think, is it just the music, or is it the, just the tone of it? 
I don't know. I, I guess I kind of feel a little more pumped up about the killing of the alien, and I don't get as much of the more... And I'm not saying that that's the wrong interpretation. I mean, he's had a team that basically was undefeated, and it's completely been wiped out. So I'm not saying it's wrong, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel pumped up after, after finally defeating the Predator, and, and that's kind of what I want the, the feeling to be at the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, this movie kind of depicts it as a real trauma. Like, right. The last shot of Arnold... And, and that's probably more realistic. Right. right. No, and, I, and I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. That's kind of what I was saying about like the progression of this movie. It starts with kind of being war is fun, and it ends being war as hell. Like, right. It kind of goes through that transition. And great, it's not really war. It's an alien attack or alien hunter or whatever you want right. to call it. So, you know, maybe it's not really trying to make any kind of a statement. You could, it's not yeah, really a war it, movie. It, it so. might not be making a statement, but it definitely is a, is a contrast in terms of where it starts and its message about soldiers yeah. and war and where it ends, without a doubt. He looks haunted. Like, that last shot, he's yeah. covered in soot and he's sitting in the helicopter and... It really is the complete polar opposite of Commando, or he's no chance. You know, <laughs> he's, he, he's. I mean, granted, he's saying he doesn't want to ever fight again, but still, he's victorious, and he's not. No, there's no doubt. He's, you know, he's Matrix saying, is not traumatized. He, no. he does the traumatizing. Yes. So, um, I don't know. I like it. I guess I can see why you'd want a little more I'm not, arousing ending. I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that it's bad. I just, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't feel like what this ending should be to me. I don't know. So. It, I think it fits the movie. It, it, it's unusual for Arnold, for sure. But. Yeah, so that is uh, that is Predator. And now having had the pre-game discussion or pre-recording discussion for this one, I know I have no need to see Predator 2. Which, not yes. knowing anything about it, I would have assumed that it took place in the jungle would have had a similar... Oh, you didn't even know the premise of Predator 2? No. Oh, this, it's the urban jungle this time. That's yeah. like the whole idea. I. It sounds terrible. The second half is okay. I think... Predator, even before the Predator appears, is a really entertaining movie, and then, you know, it becomes a different kind of a thing, but, like, if, you know, if it had been a movie about this team of guys just going on a military mission, you know, and there'd been no alien, I think it still would have been a good movie. Like, you can see a movie, just erase the Predator and make it a, a, a war movie, or yeah. a military, or an you know, action movie, you know, you can definitely see a version, whereas Predator 2, the, the like, non-Predator story is so bad. <laughs> It's really bad, and like none of the characters are interesting. Um, I, w- I do want to at least mention I, I, I really love the roll call at the end of Predator, like the, where they show like, you know, the, the credits and like, everyone like, turns to the camera and smiles. No, that uh, that is a good point for you to, to mention. I, I do. I mean, it's a small cast, so you can you know do it. Yeah, but I, I think it's the perfect way to to end end it and use the credits. I do. Uh, like that touch. You get to see everyone everyone who died one last time yeah. and they, they kind of like nod to the camera. Like, yeah. I really love that. That's more of like a 60s thing. Like like, I, like, uh, like something the Dirty Dozen I think does. Something like movies like that definitely did that. Or just like, yep. here's the team. Remember them? They're all dead now, but here they are. Other than Dutch, no, uh, the rest of them are gone and yeah. let's give them one final moment on screen. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's the movie. Still my favorite Arnold movie. It has not been dethroned, but it sounds like... Uh, it sounds like your opinion has gone down because I think I when you're saying like it was in your top five, but maybe it's still still in your top five. Yeah, I may I may when we when we get to the end I may revisit it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I don't, no, maybe. It's, I, I'm not saying that it's bad. <laughs> I don't know. I just I really love this movie. It, it is. I mean, I bet I'm in the minority too of the listeners we have out there. They're gonna. 
probably send messages to Twitter saying I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I mean, it sounds like you like the movie, but yeah, it's you're not going it, to. It's just it's, it's the movie that is from my childhood that I just I can't be objective about it. But yeah, I, I, and I love this movie. I would completely freely admit as, as it's a good segue into getting into the films of 1987. Okay. I'm not objective about RoboCop. And I bet if I went back and watched it and was more um, critical of it and I had never seen it before and didn't have it, this was my first R-rated movie. Okay. Um, I bet you I wouldn't enjoy RoboCop as much as I do. And I know we've had brief discussions that you don't enjoy it nearly as much as I yeah, do. Yeah, it's, it's the exact you know, situation in yeah, reverse. It's the same. It, it's yeah. the parallel, and it happens to be in 1987. Yeah, I was paralleling Commando, but I should have been paralleling RoboCop. RoboCop. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the reverse. So, as, and I may have done this uh, for The Running Man, but I still wanted to cover 1987 anyway. I don't know if I had started doing that because um, Running Man was our second episode, and I. No, I don't think we covered. 87 movies. Yeah. So, because I don't, I, Predator would have come up and I don't remember us having the discussions. So, yeah. yeah, I wanted to kind of pull the box office as we've done in, in some other movies. And uh, so, 1987, I was shocked what the number one movie in 1987 was. There's no way you're going to guess it. Ooh. It's like Terms of Endearment or something? I was, I was going to say, I'll give you 20 bucks if you even get close. <laughs> and you weren't even close. Uh, I'll, oh, give, I'll give you an actor and we'll see if you can get it. Okay, give me an actor Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck? Is it Three Men and a Baby? That was the number one movie in 1987. Okay, I got it. Domestic gross. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm not going to say 20 it was, bucks. No. <laughs> that was without, I, there was no oh. way you, I was going to give you the 20 bucks if I didn't give you an actor. Oh, I thought you were going to still give it. But to I me. still am pretty impressed that you got Three Men and a Baby. Well, how many movies has Tom Selleck been in? Like, he didn't have that much of a, that big of a movie career. Mr. Baseball? That's true. He's in Mr. Baseball. He was in that Michael Crichton movie where the robots, there were killer robots. Oh, yeah. What was that? <laughs> That was earlier. Anyway. And uh, the, uh, Gene Simmons was the villain? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the hell is that movie called? Gene Simmons has been in a few movies, too. Yeah, he's usually a villain. Yeah. So anyway, th- I was shocked. $167 million for Three Men and a Baby. Um, and really, when I looked at this top 10, I'm surprised by just about all of them, and there's not a ton of good stuff in here. So number two was Fatal Attraction. Uh, num- okay. Number three, Beverly Hills Cop Two. I was I was actually surprised that that wasn't higher because I would have not that Beverly Hills Cop Two is that great, but the first one. I mean that that was a, a great action comedy. So I'm surprised that it wasn't the number one movie for the year. I, I have to make it a confession. I think I like Beverly Hills Cop Two better than really? Beverly Hills Cop. Wow, yeah. I'm shocked by that too. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. <laughs> I really like Beverly Hills Cop Two. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was number number three. Good Morning Vietnam, number okay, four. Sure. Moonstruck, number five. The Untouchables, which I still do enjoy. I don't think it's as good of a movie as, like, the first time I saw it. I think I like it less each time I watch it. Yeah, it doesn't hold up. Uh, but I, I, there's still things I enjoy about it. Uh, this one, I, I'm shocked that this was a top ten movie. And Predator, by the way, is not in the top ten. Running Man is not in the top ten. Hmm. This is a movie that... I've seen, but it's only because as a kid I had, you know, I loved the movie Wall Street. I, I loved business type stuff. Secret of my success. The secret of my success. <laughs> I got it. Is in the top ten. I believe that hundred percent. That was a big movie. Really, I I did not remember that being a big movie. Now again, we were young, so I, it's not like I would have seen this in theaters. I mean, I, I loved that movie as a kid. I didn't. I mean, I, was, I loved like, it. I mean, I saw it on VHS. I saw it a bunch and loved it. Yeah, for a movie about like the workplace, I don't know why that would appeal to me. Like, I mean, I can see why it would appeal to you because even as a as a kid, young I, person, I think you were int- interested in that sort of thing. But I, I was, but I, I was. I, let's just put Carlton it. Carlton Whitfield. I was completely blown. Away. I was blown away. It was in there, and it is 
the not the focal point, but the focal point of a portion of one of my favorite episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I, I've shown it to you. Yeah, I remember that. They, they, uh, how does that movie end? Uh, oh, yeah. He uh, bangs that old broad, and then they play that song from the 80s, Dave Pow Pow. Right. See, I don't remember that song being in that movie, but I'll take, it, I'll take It's it, Always Sunny's word for it. It absolutely is. It's when he's in the limo um, with his, I guess oh, that's right. his aunt. No, but that's in the middle of the movie. Whatever. It's in the movie, but, but he's Not just at trying, the end of the movie. Yeah, well, they probably play it during the credits as well, and so that's what he's thinking of. Whatever. Know. We'll do our Secret of My Success episode. <laughs> I'm going to put that on the list. Uh, number eight was Stakeout. What? What's that? Uh, Stakeout is with, um, isn't it Richard Dreyfus? Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not, it's, it's. Now it's ringing a bell. It's not for, Emilio Estevez. It's, yes. It's nuts and gum together at last. Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> okay, now I remember. It's, it's kind of the poor man's 48, or the less oh, funny 48 hours. You know why I remember that movie? Because I think I've only seen another Stakeout. No which, way. Yeah. Oh, it's because of your dad. He yeah, got all the I only have the second the bootleg movies. bad sequel. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure he had another stakeout, but I've never seen stakeout. That is fantastic. That's why it didn't ring a bell, because it didn't have the word another in front of it. <laughs> like another 48 another hours? Another 48 hours, right. Uh, number nine, this is one that I... I, I, I <laughs> That's such a funny title. <laughs> Just like, another stakeout. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> It only just occurred to me as you were reading. It is kind of funny because what it could be too is it could be a, a completely <laughs> tangential stakeout. It could be a right. stakeout about and it just eh, it's another stakeout. Right. It's, well, it's such a it's such a like shrug of a title. Anyway, I'm sorry. So number nine, I'm surprised this isn't higher. And this is a movie that I would have assumed was like a top two. Lethal Weapon was number nine. Okay. Sixty five million. So one hundred million less than three men and a baby. <laughs> I mean, that was a weird time for movies. That I mean, was like I, before the action movie boom. It's true. I mean, look, that was launching the series, and yeah, I, I, I Lethal Weapon it. was like at the leading edge of all those action movies that kind of came. And after. Lethal Weapon is definitely, and maybe at some point we'll we'll get to those movies. But it definitely was different, a different kind of action movie, without a doubt. I mean, almost action movies in, uh, in that style almost didn't exist before Lethal Weapon. I think like you know Predator and Lethal Weapon, and then Die Hard. It kind of it was a new like a wave of action movie. I feel like in '87 you wouldn't have called Lethal Weapon an action movie. You would have called it a cop movie. Yeah, probably. It's almost like that. It invented a, the genre as much as it, you know. Because think about movies. What what came before that? The like an action movie. I mean, action movies prior to that were war movies. It was like Chuck Norris and stuff. It's like that's that's what action movies yeah, were. Yeah, you're right. You, I mean, you're right. Because yeah, I was thinking otherwise. Then you have the cop movies, the Dirty Harrys, right? The um, Oh, what's the Charles Bronson? I actually think there's one in 87. Uh, the Death Wish oh, movies. Death Wish? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'm not those. saying they're good. I'm just saying that, <laughs> yeah. that that's what they were. Yeah. And then uh, rounding out the top ten, The Witches of Eastwick. Um, so then I just wanted to quickly kind of go through some of the ones that I remembered, movies that I remember as a kid yeah. from 87. Well, we have The Running Man for sure. The Running Man's going to be later, but uh, we've got it here in sequential order. I'm embarrassed to admit how many times I've watched this movie. Uh, or at least as a kid. There's a very good chance I'll have seen it just as many times because we're the same age and we've and I, seen a lot of the same movies. And I have to admit, I think I, was, I still would enjoy it. It's, a, it's, a, wait, it's an 80s comedy. Is it? Which Police Academy are you talking about? No. It, it's not. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a Police Academy. Ma- Mannequin. Oh, I've not seen that. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to admit that I did like Mannequin as a kid. I don't know <laughs> if I still would, but I liked Mannequin. Okay. Uh, the same day, this is in February, February 13th, so uh, Romance was in the air, over the top with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and I, then, I haven't seen that in forever. Neither have I. I have no idea. And if, uh, 
if we decide to do another action hero, I think it uh, high likelihood it's Stallone. I'll be interested to what how, what how we feel about over the top. I haven't seen it in at least ten years. That is a very high chance of being fun bad. I think so. Uh, then also, in fe- I didn't have anything in January. At the end of February, I just wanted to, the Nightmare on Elm Street 3. So that's where we were at in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Dream Warriors? You are correct. Okay. Very well done. That's the one that Frank Darabont wrote, and it was actually really good. I've not seen it. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know Darabont wrote it. I might actually actually be interested in it because of that. It's one of his early movies. I don't know if it was before or after The Blob. I'm a big Frank Darabont fan, so that's why. Yeah. I, I, no, yeah. I, I That I, one, it's, it's good. It's, a, it's actually a pretty good movie. All right. I'll have to, I might actually check that out. Yeah, one and three are the only... Nightmare on Elm Street's that are worth seeing. So in March, and this is interesting, it's a March release date. Maybe that had something to do with why it only uh, got to number nine. Lethal Weapon was uh, March 6th of 1987. Okay. And then I, I'm not sure what kind of genre this is, but I just wanted to note it because uh, kind of Bruce Willis's movie career, he may have done something before it, but Blind Date came out, and that's the first kind of Bruce Willis movie that I remember. Because, I mean, he was wow. moonlighting. Yeah, like more in line with moonlighting. Yeah, yeah. and it's closer to that. Um, and then, obviously, not, not too long after, he's going to be Die Hard, and that's when he, his career went in the... I don't think I've ever heard of Blind Date. Really? But just based on the title, I can tell. It's probably, you know, based on... Yeah. You've never seen Blind Date? No. No, it's Who a... Bug, it? It, uh, I don't think it's Daryl Hannah. I can't remember who the female lead is now. Okay. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And the only reason I even remember it is because it's Bruce Willis. Right. Uh, so then, moving into April, this is... This is another one that I've seen that I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't like this one, but I remember Making Mr. Right. I don't think I know what that is either. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like weird science where they're like, you know, it's, it's trying to manufacture the, the human being. Yeah, and it's like she's trying to find the, the, the correct, you know, she's trying to get all the components and put together like her perfect, okay. her perfect man. Sounds like weird science with all the gender swapped. Is Basically, what that's like. what it is. Okay. Yeah. I, I, again, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Never heard of that. Uh, so I will ask you now, we are going to get to the police academy. Which police academy do you Ooh, think? In 87. I'm going to guess police academy three. Oh, so close. No, two. Four. Four? Wow. Yes. I thought that do you was remember way what, later. Do you, what's the tagline? Oh, or? yeah. Citizens on Patrol. Okay. <laughs> of course I don't know the names, but believe me, I've seen those Police Academy movies so many times. There's a song of Police Academy 5. I haven't seen any of the Police Academy movies in probably 20 years. <laughs> this song from Police Academy 5, I think I might have told you, uh, it pops into my head at least three times a week. Wow. It's the music with the dork scene in Police Academy 5. I know, I know you know that scene. <laughs> I do. Hello, dork. Hello, but dork. They draw dork in the suntan lotion on, on Harris's chest. Anyway, the music, it's like Calypso music. It pops into my head three times a week. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in 20 years. That's so crazy. Although I did find it on YouTube, so that didn't help. I, like, I got to find that music. Oh, there it is on YouTube. So, Oh, I am glad we did this. Yeah, uh, Police Academy 4, one of the better ones. I will say that. I will take As a wor- connoisseur of Police Academy <laughs> movies. Don't take your word for it, too, by the way. That's the one that has the most like overlap of casts, because Gutenberg is still there, and all like, the new guys. Bob Cat, showed up. Bobcat's in that Bobcat's one. Bobcat's right? in that one. David yeah. Spade's in it. Oh, that's right. You t- we talked about this <laughs> yeah, one. We've talked one about point. this. We've had I conversations think, about Police Academy. I think we played a clip, or you played a clip for me. Yes. We've definitely, with Hightower. We've definitely had a conversation about Police Academy off the show recently. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did play you a clip from Police Academy 4. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Police Academy is, has way too big a space in my brain all these years later. <laughs> so also in April is The Secret of My Success. And then uh, I, I don't, this is another one of those 80s movies I saw a lot because I think of Cable. Project X with uh, Matthew Broderick. I yeah, saw that one a lot. That's one I would love to see again. I remember really liking it, but I'll bet that doesn't hold up at all. I, 
See, of of, the, of those movies, War Games is the one that I remember more. And, oh, I still love War yeah, Games. I, I watch I, that all the time. Yeah. So, so I, I think you're right, though. I bet your Project X doesn't hold up well. well. For, for people may not be familiar, because that was a big movie at the time, but it's kind of been forgotten. But it's a movie about monkeys flying planes. Is that correct? Yeah. It being, being so you, just, just, I'm sure like mod, people now just hearing that premise would be like, how is that a good movie? It's but so then, preposterous. But, yeah, but the, and then, they were, then there was euthanization of them, so there was... Yes, that's right. Yeah, so sort of an animal rights activism. So like Escape from Planet of the Apes is what it's like. Yeah. That's <laughs> Another ex- franchise I'm an expert in. Uh, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> so that's, that's then, actually what that's about. Anyway, uh, no, so so getting to uh, to May Beverly Hills Cop two, and then shortly thereafter, Ernest goes to camp. I don't know why I wanted to highlight that, but I felt I needed to. It was a noteworthy movie, at least for people our age. Yes, Every, everybody saw Ernest goes to camp. That was like I, among eight year olds, that was a giant hit. It was, and the thing is, I don't know how much of it I remember now. I remember Turtles. There were turtles. I don't even remember that. All I remember. And Vern. He talked, he talked to the camera and called, that, that's called the camera. That's all I remember. I, I almost feel like, for, to, to be a glutton for punishment, I almost feel like I should watch Ernest Goes <laughs> yeah, to Camp. Yeah. I, have, have you, by the way, have you watched uh, If Looks Could Kill yet? Not you promised yet. you would. Not yet, because I'm working on things like this and <laughs> watching Narcos. Where, yeah, the movies piling, are piling up. Now we have to watch they, Ernest Goes to Camp. I want to say there are turtles on parachutes. Man, I have I, this vague image of turtles parachuting down in like I, little parachutes. I do not remember that. Anyway, uh, moving on to June, the Untouchables, Harry and the Hendersons. I thought was one that I should highlight. Also played by Kevin Peter Hall. I didn't know that. The, the, the Predator. Wow. Yeah. Well, he he had a big month of June because June fifth was Harry and the Hendersons. June twelfth, Predator oh, came out. He was the biggest star. <laughs> he was the biggest uh, actor in, in the country for a couple of weeks. Yes. Um, and then the Witches of Eastwick, which was also June twelfth. Spaceballs, June 24th. Yeah, that's, yeah 87. That so that's a right. pretty big one. Uh, June 26th, it, you know, it's an uneven one, but it's still, it's still one that needs to be noted. Uh, Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick. There was a big gap between Stanley Kubrick movies yeah. between this and Eyes Wide Shut. Even, you know, I was going to say, even after this. I thought you were talking about between The Shining and that, but yeah. Even, after was even it, an even bigger gap. A, uh, a really good Bond movie, an underrated Bond movie. Oh, that's License to Kill. Correct? Or no, that's, no, it's the other one. Timothy, the other, the other Dalton. The good Timothy Dalton, The Living Daylights. The Living Daylights, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is one that is one of those... So there's a lot of watershed movies. So my, my wife's watershed movie, the one that she didn't necessarily see in theaters, but watched a ton as a kid. Uh, Goonies? That was oh. one of them, but it's not. So, Adventures in Babysitting ah, yes. was one of her favorites. That was my, one of my sister's favorites also. So I needed to, to note that. And then so the same uh, day that Adventures in Babysitting opens, Inner Space, which is the movie that I was supposed to go see when I saw RoboCop. So Inner Space oh, is what I was supposed to go see. For whatever reason, there weren't tickets available. I don't know why, because it would have already been in theaters. So I don't know if they got the time of the movie wrong. But so we were supposed to see Inner Space. That we couldn't see. So that is the reason why I saw RoboCop, which comes out the next week. Okay. Yeah. I actually just bought Inner Space on Blu-ray recently just because it was cheap. It was like on sale for like four bucks. I was like, I, oh, I'll pay four bucks to own yeah, that. I was going to say, I, enjoy, I, I don't know if I would still enjoy it, but I, enjoy, I enjoyed Inner Space as a kid. I, it didn't hold up that well, to be <laughs> honest, but for four bucks, <laughs> it's fine. Maybe it's the Martin Short factor. No, he's okay. I think it's just the premise is preposterous. So here's what I wanted to note. I had no idea. This was a kid's Disney movie. I don't even remember existing. The Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> I don't it's the that concept that there's I, I had to read about it that there's a bunch of different types of household appliances that all can talk 
And I don't know if they're if it's like Toy Story yeah, where they're being Toy shipped Story, off. but for really boring things. Yes, yeah, so appliances. Th- this is one I want us to put in the archives to maybe look up and try and find the Brave Little Toaster. I have a feeling that we would enjoy it on an ironic level for some reason. Uh, I know. I have a suspicion it'll be miserable. <laughs> Could be. Uh, so, but I, I, I've got it on my list. I want to investigate a little bit more about the Brave Little Toaster. You can investigate and report back because I don't want to see it. So we got a, a couple of sequels coming up here and some franchises you're going to know. Jaws. Jaws. That's got to be Jaws 4. The Revenge. The Revenge, yeah. Yes. Revenge of the Nerds. Two? Nerds in Paradise. Okay, yes. I, I For some reason, I really remember that one. I saw that one way too many times. I think also I'm more familiar with that one than the original. The original. Revenge of the Nerds. The, I don't think it was because my dad had it on tape. I think it was just on HBO a lot. Yeah, well, the original one, there's actually some themes in there. In particular, they're... If you go and watch the Revenge of the Nerds today, oh, some stuff it, that's not very cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like it. it yeah, it, I, I, I don't remember anything. I, 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 I know I've seen it, but I, I'm there, there's some the, the, there's some really awful stuff in it. it like in in the 2016 light, there's some stuff in Revenge of the Nerds. Like, oh man, that's not cool. And it's the hero where like in the 80s right, right. audiences are cheering. It's like, oh, an audience in 2016. Like charges would be brought up against Skolnick in, oh, in today. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what it could be, and I yeah. have no idea. I don't remember. So I, I this is one you definitely are going to know. Superman. Which Superman is in 1987? Oh, that's got to be Quest for Peace, right? Superman Four: yeah. The Quest for Peace. Uh, that one's awful. <laughs> that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I love Superman, and it's one of the worst movies. I've you ever are seen. never as opinionated as me on things. That is. That's, Awful. It is. It's unquestionably <laughs> nuclear man. Where is the woman? I've seen it a lot. I've, I've seen Superman four a lot. <laughs> I saw Superman four. I love how you admit that you've seen it a lot, despite that it's terrible. I was a kid. I had it on VHS. Of course, I watched it a lot. I watched every you know Superman movie we had a lot, but it's uh, so bad. So rounding out July, the, July, the Lost Boys, which I think is a pretty important movie. I'm also surprised it wasn't in the top ten for some reason. I remember that being like a big movie. Maybe it wasn't. Okay. I don't know. I, I've never seen The Lost Boys. Oh, wow. I've okay. somehow managed to get this long without having seen it. All right. August uh, Stakeout. Uh, <laughs> this is not a memorable movie, but I wanted to get Pineapple back into the podcast. Uh, what? Dolph Lundgren in Masters of the Universe. Oh, Masters of the Universe. Yes. I was trying to think of t- uh, movies with the word pineapple. No. In it, okay, it was a Dolph movie. Yeah, it was a Dolph movie. Uh, another very important movie for my wife, uh, Dirty Dancing, was in late August. Okay. I'm also surprised that wasn't in the top ten. That must have been one that That's became true, yeah. popular later on, unless my source for the box office is incorrect. I mean, it could have been on video. Like this was a time when video was new and like weird quirks were like it would become a hit on video, but nobody saw it in theaters. And could stuff. Be. So ending out August, I just wanted to call to to Bill Maher in House Two, the second story, because I've seen that movie a lot as well. No, that movie's awesome. I like it. Yeah, House Two. I'm no. We are in agreement about House Two. I enjoy, I enjoy it. No, it's way better than House One. It's actually yeah. really, House One really is that, funny. House One is the one with George Went, right? Yes, and House Two has J- uh, Rats, Ratzenberger in it. What's yes, yes. Uh, Cliff, Cliff yeah, Clavin, Cliff Clavin, and yeah. Bill Maher. Uh, anyway. I don't care about Bill Maher, but Cliff Clavin, he's awesome. <laughs> I, I do enjoy House 2. I saw that one a lot as a kid. I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, doesn't he show up and be like, yeah, you got an interdimensional portal, yeah, portal <laughs> behind your fridge, or yeah. whatever he says. Uh, getting into September, the original Man on Fire with Scott Glenn, which I know we've discussed briefly, I think, on, on this podcast. Yeah, I don't remember why, but yeah, it's uh, come up. And uh, then September, the rest of September, Fatal Attraction. October, 
I wanted to get the, the one of the body swaps that I remember. Ooh, which body swap? Would it, this, is this the Kirk Cameron one? Let's see what if you remember. What was the name of that? Oh, uh, this is going to be awesome if you remember it. It's Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore, right? Yes. I can't remember the name of it. Go ahead. Like Father, Like Son. Like Father, Like Son, yes. Yep. Uh, moving into November, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. I don't know. I just felt like I needed to highlight that. <laughs> Those Death Wish, the first Death Wish isn't a masterpiece by any stretch, but every sequel, I've, I mean, I've seen, I don't think I've seen four, but I've seen, I've seen two, and those movies are trash. I mean, the first movie is not, it's okay, but it's, boy, every Death Wish sequel. Just not good. I, I can't say I've seen the sequels. Uh, November 13th, The Running Man, which is important to this podcast. I, I wanted to highlight that the sequel to Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf 2 with oh, yes. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Uh, is in November. Wrestling phenom instead of yes. basketball. Um, was it wrestling? No, I think it was boxing, wasn't it? Oh, maybe it was boxing. I think it was boxing. He was a boxing phenom. Yeah, maybe you're right. Uh, and then the end of November, I'm surprised that Three Men and a Baby was n- number one because Plane, Trains, and Automobiles came out the same day as Three Men and a Baby. Wow. So it must have had greater legs than Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I can tell you right now, I will still watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. There is no reason to watch Three Men and a Baby. Well, that's certainly true. The aforementioned uh, Steve Gutenberg. Yes. He's going to drag... He's, he's, he had that and Police Academy 4 this year. Flying high. Like Flying Guten- high, making a lot of money. And then like the Hindenburg, the Gutenberg crashed and burned. So then finishing out in December, I don't know why I had Throw Mama from the Train as a movie I needed to highlight, but for some reason I did and I left it on there. But uh, more important to me, I didn't realize this. I should have because I know the year it comes out. The Secret of My Success and Wall Street are in the same year. Hmm. Now, I watched Wall Street way more than The Secret of My Success growing up, but Wall Street is at, is at the end of, of December, and then Good Morning Vietnam kind of finishes the year out. Yeah, of the that's... notable movies. I mean, there's other movies in there, but those I kind of deleted the ones um, that didn't make sense. And there weren't as many as, as you kind of noted. There weren't as many action movies, so I just wanted to kind of highlight ones that uh, were interesting to me about 1987. Yeah, that's, that's a kind of a lousy year. Yep. I mean, you went through a lot of movies and nothing really – I mean. Predator's certainly my favorite of that entire list. Yeah, and, and for me, it's easy. Yeah, I mean, Wall Street. Wall Street is by far and away my favorite of the year. But no, it's mostly a year of trash. I wonder what won the, the Academy Award that year. Oh, that's a I, I sh- a nor- and, and some other times I've done it for this podcast. I've highlighted it. I did not highlight what 1987 was. I'm very quickly googling, pulling it up. Uh, wait, oh, this is for this is 87 for 86 movies because like Platoon. You didn't say Platoon. No, yeah, that's definitely eighty six. So it should be eighty eight. Yeah, eighty eight Oscars. The Last Emperor. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever even seen that. Is that the one? Is that the? Uh, no, that's not. That's not the. I'm thinking of Kundun. That's that's Scorsese. Yeah. Well, I've never seen The Last Emperor. No, I don't know that. Bernardo Bertolucci, director. Yeah, I don't know. So we've I mean, determined that eighty seven is a pretty forgettable year. Yeah, that's a bad year. Michael Douglas did win for Best Actor for Wall Street. Yes. So that that I definitely do remember. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's the episode. So I yes. never I never gave my body counts. I just realized I think sixty one. Yeah. So we got the housekeeping, and then it's my pick. So was it sixty one? I, I already threw my tablet I, away. I believe I. <laughs> you threw it away. Yeah. Body count sixty one. Pump count of one. Yes. Right. We didn't miss anything else. Nope. That uh, that is it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's your pick for the next episode. Yeah. So. So I, um, I've taken over the Twitter account, and I had noticed when I took it over that one of our longest listeners, Mark, had really wanted us to do the sixth day. 
That is not what I'm picking, so I'm apologizing to Mark that I have read it. Why would you just tease him? About, why would you do that? Be, I'm going to give the reason why. Okay. Because that You're was going to, to be my pick okay. until we worked out that there are a couple of movies that, based on where the calendar falls, we want to do them. And for that reason... I can't pick that movie. Oh, yes, you're right. And so I wanted to. That Mark, that was going to be my pick. I promise you. But to make up for it, I put out a poll a couple weeks back asking between Red Heat and Raw Deal of the, um, what is it, the low... Yeah, low budget Low action. budget action, which uh, the audience would prefer. And so I'm going to give the people what they want. And I'm going to go with Red Heat based on that poll. And we're going to do low budget action next. Uh. So we get Arnold, we get Russian Arnold. Yes. He shoots Russian Sven through a wall in this movie, and yes. next, next uh, episode so, we'll get Russian So Arnold. we're going to have back-to-back Sven sighting. Well, we're going to have Sven and then Russian Sven. Well, not Russian Sven, but Russian Arnold. We, I was going to say, do you know if Sven's in that movie? I, or? Don't, know, I don't know if he is. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I haven't seen, I saw it at one point, maybe in college, but I don't remember anything about it. For me, it's somewhere late high school, early college. I think I've only seen it once, so this is not one that I know well, and it'll be kind of a, a new experience for me. I, I, I approached the prospect of watching a Jim Belushi movie with a certain amount of dread, so unfortunately there's that to offset Arnold, but maybe, you know, we'll see. I, I, this could be one that it pleasantly surprises us. Yeah, I, this could go on any sorts of way. I mean, it could go... You know, yeah, pleasantly surprised. It could be we could have another Red Sonia episode. I was just, gonna just say, going like, uh, just I'm pretty sure we're going to be ragging on Jim Belushi almost the entire episode. Yes, I, I think that's safe to say. So, but all right, so that's that's what we're doing next. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. So, so yeah, until then, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast, and uh, you can write us an email at questions at bpamg.com. Yeah, and so for my housekeeping, the two items, which is. If you could like us and write a favorable review, we hope so, on your podcast app of choice. And I need to give the rule in a crisis situation. Yes. So this one, I waited to the very last minute, and I got my rule, which is you run from anything that is counting down and beeping. When you are in a crisis, you do <laughs> right. not want to hang around. And Dutch wisely gets away from that situation. So wait, so, so a, a science oven? If you're putting food in the yes. microwave, it's counting down and beeping. Are you fleeing? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I'm just make, making sure you're being consistent with your rules. But wait this, a minute, though. I thought this was in a crisis situation. Okay, if, you're, if you're cooking popcorn, you know what's in there. It's when you're in a crisis. Well, it depends on what you're cooking. They do, maybe if you're... If you put tinfoil in there, that is a crisis situation. Okay. So only in a crisis. That, yes. that, you're right. That makes sense. So anyway, yeah, thanks for listening. And you know what? If, if, if you're listening and like the show, you know, tell a friend. Uh, you know, word of mouth definitely helps us. So if, you know, spread the word if you enjoy the show. It would be much appreciated. And we appreciate the feedback. Yeah, so until next episode, we'll be back with Red Heat. Hey!